The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects that you've just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn One, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? <laughs> uh, so nice to have a bevy of... Uh, Places, I mean, various songs. Choice shouting yeah. out, yeah, shouting out your place of residence. <laughs> but folks, we are the Combo Chronicles, and you can find the Combo Book Chronicles on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That is CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also find this podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coles of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can uh, also find us recording here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on either, um, or both, rather, um... YouTube.com slash TheClickNation or um, uh, Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles, all one word. Definitely check us out on either or both if you really, really want to. If you love us that much, <laughs> if you love us that much, go ahead and. We love you back. Exactly. And go ahead and smash that like button. And turn on notifications. And click subscribe and <laughs> click the alarm for notifications. Click that bell uh, icon. Exactly. Um, why this shot keeps going off the rails, I do not know, but we're going to have words this day. Um, there we go. Fix that. So, folks, uh, we Loki is over. We have no Marvel shows until I think we have established what if happens. Um, which is which is going to be a minute um, but also we have no Marvel movies yet until Shang-Chi comes out in fact we have no um, we have no uh, uh, comic book movies that I can think of until Suicide Squad comes out in a couple of weeks yeah actually what if isn't that far away uh, August 11th 
Oh, okay. So, so right after Suicide Squad, then then what if stars? Great. Um, so look forward to that when we get to that point in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but, for, but that means we have a respite for a little while, and we can focus on comics. This is true, and yeah, we and it's not like we haven't had one because we had one between Falcon and Winter Soldier and and Loki and Black uh, Black Widow rather. So right. It is it is a thing that why does this shot keep going full like this? I'm going to be very upset. Stop it, shot. Stop it. <laughs> shots, 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 shots. There we go. I'm trying to keep this thing in line. It's gonna go back the other way as soon as I mess with it. Anyhow, uh that's a little behind the scenes, we don't need to talk about that. Well let's go away from that. So yeah, but uh so that being said though, we we pretty much have a quote unquote regular show, which means we're going to get into some comic books of the week. Uh starting off with Miles Morales Spider Man number twenty six. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 28, I believe. 28? God damn it. I knew it was like, as soon as it said six. Um, <laughs> as soon as now we're going to yep. scramble to catch. We're going to scramble to check our review copies. No, no, like, no, what no. is he talking no, about? Yep, yep. It is 28, so I screwed that one. Uh, Miles okay, Morales, Spider-Man 28. 28. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Carmen Carnero, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. So as uh, as I said, we're pulling up our review copies now, but uh, suffice to say that this is what appears to be the conclusion of the current clone saga that Miles has found himself embroiled in, which, unbeknownst to us, really started way back when he was going when he was being uh, persecuted and harassed by. Uh, that well, I forget the character's name. The evaluator was, was that his name, or something like that. I feel like it starts with a P, but I might be wrong. But yes, let's go. Um... Right. The person who was evaluating that was evaluating him turned out to also be taking genetic samples. Right, and that's where this entire clone business came from. Right, and I. Well, we discussed this like earlier before the show, and I feel like it, it, oh, it's the assessor. The assessor. There we go. Okay, so you know, we're talking. Talk, we're literally using uh, synonyms for evaluator. I'm like, it's it, it means the same thing as evaluator. Right. It's the assessor. And and as I will say with another book, I'm like, oh, see, there's that shot go again. God, God, you just. Um, <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. Anyway, sorry. Uh, but yeah, um, from what I was. Well, basically, as I, you're going to hear me say this again, I'm like, Marvel's getting a little bit lazy with the names. <laughs> as as we will find out from another book that uh, that we talk about this week. Because I'm sitting here like, you you couldn't come up with a better name than that. But it's a little low on the nose there, Marvel. But that's fine. Right, we see you. Uh, regardless, um, going back to my original point was that, yeah, I... Like we were saying before the show, not really certainly sure whether this is the end of the whole saga or this part of the art saga. Right. Because um, it doesn't seem like it's the end of the the whole thing. But we don't know. Like I said, because it does... Cause I mean, I'm trying to remember if it... Actually, I should check the well, I mean, similar. Right. I mean, similar to... You know, OG Spidey, Peter Parker's Clone Saga, it wasn't resolved in a single arc. It True. definitely took place over a span of issues and storylines. True. 
So yeah, like, but whether it's going to continue, yeah, whether it's going to continue uh, in the next issue or, like you said, kind of come back at some other point, then yeah, we we don't know just yet. Um, but I enjoyed this issue for the most part because it was pretty action heavy. Um, so basically, the the uh, the gist of it was uh, uh, Selim, which was the the, the main. I guess the the lead uh, Miles clone stole uh, stole Miles' little sister, uh, took her to b- bridges because spider people love their bridges. <laughs> uh, and I mean, uh, they accurately took them. They, they accurately went to the Brooklyn Bridge, though this time. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the native New Yorker. You know, uh, uh, speaking out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I, I kind of figured you were gonna, um, <laughs> you were gonna address that part of it. So, thank you for doing that. Um, but uh, they have a they have a big fight, and it ends in a way, and um, leaving. It's safe to say, leaving at the very least one thing unresolved while seemingly kind of sort of resolving another thing temporarily. Because as we tend to know, as in Age of 70 said before, like when you're dealing with clones, they don't always go back, go, go away for good. So, um, so we still got that going for us and we'll see if, if that actually happens. I I have no reason to to, to doubt that, honestly, (laughs) because this is the comics and this is spider, spider folks. And it, like, yeah, like, it always happens. So, and, and I feel like it also wouldn't happen because I know I believe Sullivan and Abed kind of said it was like, yeah, no, this is going to definitely change change Miles, uh, change Miles's life or something something along those lines. So I feel like he's not really finished with him on that uh, point yet. Right, and it's implied from the ending from the way this issue ends, and because uh, the existence of the clones isn't exactly uh isn't exactly finalized right here and you know without spoiling the entirety of the story and how it ends i think one of the key you know and and what's great about miles is that he obviously still carries the mantle of spider-man he hasn't it's not quite a legacy yet because at least for 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 all intents and purposes, there's still a Peter Parker Spider-Man, even if for whatever reason they're going to pass it along to a clone of Parker in, in you know near the end of the year or whatnot or or soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're still using mi- Miles to to uh, to explore new ground, and the new ground here is that his parents are completely in on his little secret identity. And, he, you know, there's no hiding it from them anymore. And while they're not on board, they're definitely probably, you know, they're definitely supportive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the, I was just going to add that the hold it. I thought no, no, I was just going to add that the, uh, the 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 secret identity um, mantle, I guess, is still being held in the teen hero sector by. Miss Marvel, but only with her father. Wait, does or her father knows too now, right? So no, they knew her, his father and his mother. Well, yeah, they knew, and then an arc happened where there was some alien mess going on, and they don't know anymore. 
Both of them? I thought the mother still knew. Nope. They both know, don't know. Oh, as, far, I, as far as unless something like like last time I remember from her book when when it ended, neither one of them knew. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's easy for, it's easy enough to go back and double check because I was right. reading that too. So I I I may be misremembering, but it's it's they're definitely taking Miles in a different direction, and I really appreciate that because he's his own character. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not playing beat by beat the growing up. You know the uh, the growing pains of uh, Peter Parker. Right. And also, the, what my, well, what I was going to say was this kind of goes away from when Miles originally came into the, uh, well, when, when Miles originally came into the Ultimate Universe, because if I'm not mistaken, well, one, well, one, his mom had died. Um, uh, uh, two, I believe they didn't know until a certain point, if they knew at all. Uh, if I'm not, I can't remember because I don't like. I, I vaguely remember reading any of those books when it when it uh, when it came out, or maybe they didn't even even know. Honestly, they they might not. No, they didn't. Well, yeah, what, I was about right. to say when he was when he was introduced into the six one six, they didn't know. No, no, I and mean, he, no, I mean the Ultimate Universe when he was originally into. Oh, the Ultimate. Right. Oh no, that's. Um, I think in the Ultimate, uh, I don't think they knew at all. Right. I think it was completely secret, and they only let the parents in on his secret when they came to the 616. Right. And then we found out about Jefferson's uh old shield days. Right. So so there is a there's a, there's a slight difference in between his when he originally came in and and then he, uh, him coming into the 616 properly. Um that being said though, yeah, they're still exploring some some uh new ground and now and um as uh, Age of Seventy said, and you know, so far it hasn't been bad. And I know we kind of came into the Clone Saga thing thinking, like, "Oh Lord, it's going to." We don't know how this is going to be because we know how how the original Clone Saga was and how, uh, let's say, divisive it kind of was. I mean, here's the thing: we weren't really around. We were, but we weren't for the first one. Right, the main one. Well, but we were around for the rehash when Ben takes over, when Ben Riley takes over. Mm-hmm. You know, Scarlet Spider and all that. That's what we were around for, and that was not my cup of tea at all. I feel like I was around for the first one, but I don't think I. Really I mean, reading it that, consistently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, that, I think that say, part was probably the the case. That's what. Yeah, I was about to say that's that that's where that's where it's different. Like this is us watching Miles, reading Miles's experience with the Clone Saga, his first appear, his first experience with the clones, you know, up front in real time, and you know, it's it's you know it, it you know it it's hard to color it from the from our perspective because we didn't see Peter's first run at the Clone Saga really. Mm-hmm. You know, we we saw the Ben Riley stuff, right? So, but but that being said, you know, like, like I said, um, this is a better showing than 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 I believe either one of those uh, previous uh, outings was because it was a kind of a thing that just kind of kept coming back, and kept coming back, and coming back. Still could hear, <clears throat> still could hear, but uh, we shall see how it gets played out. Like I said, we I feel like. It's safe to say that we trust uh, Salah and Ahmed and crew enough at this point. Definitely. I think that there's more to it. Mm-hmm. I think our 
hesitance to say that this is over and done, that the clone saga is over and done with is probably, you know, is our definitely our spider sense and our sense as readers coming into play so that we, you know, we have a definite understanding that this is not over yet. Yes, because it, it never is, as we were saying earlier. Uh, that being said, I think we're pretty much finished that, unless you got something else to say on it. And no, I'm good. We can move on. Moon Knight, number one. Alrighty, Moon Knight number one. Uh, it's written by uh, our podcast favorite writer Jed McKay. Um, art by Alessandro Capuccio. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, who is jacked in her latest Instagram. I know that she's like super fit. But if you follow Rochelle Rosenberg on her Instagram, she, you know, she's definitely taken. I mean, when I met her, she was definitely built, but she's definitely jacked right now. And it's lettered by VC's Corey Pettit. And um, I can start this out and I'll let Roddy Cat uh, take a uh, take some of this. But uh, I can start this out by saying that the last time we saw the Moon Knight character was in the pages of the Avengers when he was part of a big mini event in the pages of uh, Avengers, a big story arc where he essentially took over the entirety of, uh, of you know, he took, you know, he he took uh the powers of uh, several Avengers and, and and defeated several of them in order to you know defeat a, a, a supposedly a greater evil, and a lot of that stuff went south on him. Ultimately, this story actually, believe it or not, does come out of the events of the of that story, where there is a premise here. Without spoiling everything, there's a premise here that Moon Knight is seeking professional help. And in this day and age, when we actually, for a long time, when you say or when you hear someone is seeking or is under the or or is under the supervision of professional help, that generally means and has meant for a while that that person is receiving mental health care. And that is unsurprisingly what Moon Knight needs right now. And it's addressed head on in this issue and what's also addressed head on is what he's up to now and how that is, you know, how that reconciles with his, you know, recent past, his deeper past and his mental illness. And I found the entire issue very interesting and, you know, uh, a quite compelling read from front to back. How about you? I can definitely agree. And yeah. um, Yeah. And Jeff Jed Jed McKay being a a um, a newer favorite of ours on a show definitely for his works on um, uh, Black Cat um, and I feel like there was something else recently that he's that he's done that we've also liked but regardless um, has has become come a new favorite for us and yeah so going into this wasn't wasn't that hard of a thing to at the very least check out. Uh, and yes, the, the, the fact that this was coming out of, uh, the age of, uh, Kanshu storyline, you know, you, you kind of wonder what they were going to do with it. Cause it, cause even though he kind of has a new mission and he's, uh, basically, or at least with this issue seems to be taking Blade's job, 
but also they're reintroducing him because of the fact that he's got a show coming out, you know, um, so they're trying to establish, they're trying to reestablish him and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, catch folks up who may or may not know, uh, the background of the character. And it was a good, you know, and it was a good show. And because like I said, and, and under the guise of therapy, you know, as we've seen with, uh, like Falcon Winter Soldier, it, you know, it's a good thing. <laughs> Or actually, technically, in other ways, uh, in any of the, the previous Marvel shows um, uh, are surrounding that. Um, but it was, um, like, I'm kind of very curious to see what they can do with it. Cause the, 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 um, and and I would go so far, as far as to say, it's like, it's not the first time Moonlight has had therapy. They even mentioned that in the course of this issue. Um... So it, it's not a new thing that he's going through there, pretty. But the the fact that after what happened in that last uh, story arc, you know that that's what they chose to do with it. Then yeah, it's it works as well as I guess it works as well as anything. That was the kind of thing. It was like yeah, we kind of knew he was he's had psychological care previous to this. Like what's going to make this any different from that last time? I guess we will find out. I also like that they made use of both the Mr. Knight costume and the newer Moon Knight costume. It's the the way it's drawn and the way it's colored and inked uh you know by the uh, the aforementioned creative team makes that newer costume a, actually a little bit more like the classic costume. Mm-hmm. You know, at least in 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 it's it's obviously not that different. Uh, in the sense that it's still moon based and it's still mostly white, but there's definitely a lot more um, uh, uh, black parts to the costume. And, you know, I like that they they have, you know, they gave um, Mark Spector, or at least the Moon Knight character, you know, kind of like a, 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 a day uniform and a night uniform, like an action uniform. Or, I guess, early in the night and a later in the night in this particular right. case. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, so, so the, the um, I guess part of his new old mission is the fact that he is still pretty much defending, you know, the people in the night. Uh, and I, I guess he's kind of like a fixer and equalizer type of situation where people come to him and ask him for help. Uh, and then he goes and takes care of it in his uh, caped form, as we have seen a couple of different times. And it seems to be going back to the more, well, I guess he never, never really left it either, the more supernatural um, supernatural enemies, uh, or at least like I said, as in this episode, in this issue rather, because like I said, we see, well, yeah, because... A Spider-Man villain shows up, but we also see yeah, which isn't yeah exactly. You know that character is not exactly supernatural, but can right. be played in that vein because of the character's urges. Let's right. say, mm-hmm. but also vampires, which is like I, I halfway expected. Oh, yeah. to kind of come yeah, come that's along. The, and be that's like, the natural. Yeah, I definitely I definitely understood where you were going with that because that was that's the first uh, that's the first threat that he deals with off the bat in this issue. Mm. And, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, actually, no, maybe I think we were talking about it offline, probably just, you know, just as we were discussing this, there is the introduction of a character who 
we won't be surprised if this character gets retconned into the fist, you know, into that uh, Kanshu story that was in the pages of Avengers recently. Right. But it, there is a concept here that is introduced that makes perfect sense. But mm-hmm. you know, but here to you know, but 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 heretofore unknown to us as Marvel Comics readers. So there's definitely some retconning going on, but. I'm willing to give McKay a shot to see if he can pull this off and uh, introduce this newer aspect of the Moon Knight mythos, mm-hmm. and, in, and and introduce that and 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 help establish a deeper mythos for uh, the Moon Knight character. Right. Yeah. And even with this this new character, so when the first when the I'm just, um, when the first the character first showed up in the way that it showed up in the way that he showed up. And f- the way he looked reminded me of a John Wick uh, uh, side character. And the way he was talking kind of reminded me of a John Wick side. And, and I feel like you know the one I'm talking about when, you know. Yeah. By his, by his demeanor. Um, and, I, and I was kind of wondering, like, is that what he's saying? No, but, so, but as we got to the end of the issue, it's was like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> Um, but I was like, all right, well, we, we might still get to see a, a side of that regardless. Um, so that was kind of funny to see, but we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. And then there's another character that kind of, I guess, gets reintroduced, but it's a little, but it's a minor character that kind of works with, um, um, uh, uh, Mr. Knight. Right. Uh, and there's a, and, and there's a shadowy figure as well. So they're definitely, yes. I think they... I think McKay did a good job of establishing the parameters of the story and future threats. So that's why I definitely appreciated this as a good number one issue. It feels like they're setting up his own Joker. And obviously that, that Moon Knight That's is, based on art. I definitely yes. get that. I had that feeling as well. Mm-hmm. And um, especially with the, 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 uh, that, this particular shadowy figure monologuing the way it was uh, during the time when, it, when, it, when they showed up. Like, we don't know if it's somebody we know or this is somebody that's going to be new. Um, but, and I guess we'll find out in the, in the next issue or two. But um, And obviously, Moon Knight already is a parallel, kind of a parallel for Batman anyway. So that kind of wouldn't be a, a big surprise if they kind of did something like that. That being said, we can move on to the next book, uh, which is... Marauders number 22. Yep. Marauders number 22 is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Loli and Klaus Jansen. I was surprised to see that name in the credits. And then when I saw the art, I definitely understood exactly where Klaus Jansen stepped in mm-hmm. because his style is nothing like Matteo Loli's. Uh, <laughs> but it's also used as a flat as a as essentially a flashback sequence so right. i i understood why they chose to do it that way uh colors are by rain barreto and letters are by vc's Corey pettit so uh, i just need a second to pull this book up if you want to start go right ahead sure Cat. so all right so we start off with um the this is definitely after the the Hellfire Gala. News is still kind of coming out about it. We get flashbacks of well, we know we get flashbacks. We get um like a panel of an upcoming storyline that's still. I'm waiting to see what happens with that with a uh, a certain event 
thing that happened right after the gala. Um, that is definitely affecting somebody or some folks in another book that we're going to talk about that gets also uh, addressed there, or at the very least mentioned there, I should say. Um, but um, we also the spend part of the issue talking about a um, well, one talking about. Uh, a thing that got brought up in the last issue, if I'm not mistaken, because, and I kind of wonder why that backup story happened, uh, because I guess they're using that springboard to this uh, here, which, like, okay, that makes sense. Like, and, and well, I guess it did double duty, yep. because the backup was like, okay, uh, it was an old story um, from, from, from back in the X-Men days, that had to do with the gala in itself with specifically the first hellfire gala and the, um, let's say the, um, the, the making of how the hell, hell, I mean, making of how the hellfire club in its past iteration came to be, um, with a, uh, minor character, so and uh, that also gets brought up here in that same vein. So so it kind of does double duty that is going into the the I guess is going to be going into this next arc of uh, Marauders dealing with that. Apparently, Sebastian saw as well now because I guess whatever deal Emma made with her before she and Kate messed him up is <laughs> is been dealt with now. So he's kind of back to his normal self. Um, and yeah, then, it, uh, the effects were apparently temporary, but exactly. debilitating for as temporary as they were, they were still very much debilitating. Exactly. Uh, to, and uh, so I guess that dealt with. And they also, there are shades of bringing back another mutant that is going to probably get, uh, or another Hellfire Club member specifically, that is going to um, probably be dealing with some stuff um because they're so they did a pretty good job they've been doing a pretty good job of being like hey you know here's this other stuff that's kind of up in the air but it's going to come back up somewhere and they're starting to put all that stuff together and uh marauders seems to be a more hellfire club member focused book like it's kind of gone away from the hey here's kate pride and a bunch of um pirates you know mutant pirates doing the thing uh, and more focusing on uh, various members of the Hellfire Club and what's going on the the Hellfire uh, Trading Company. So right, and still been actually kind of still in, interesting in that, but also you know kind of uh, mentioned as well in the other books as well. Um, this is a deep, yeah, uh, it's 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 kind of a deep cut. It's not as far back as Dark Phoenix, right? This. This uh, this Hellfire Club member that uh, is referenced here as a possible returning character, mm-hmm. obviously with the nature of Krakoa, everyone's on the board. I mean, every mutant Most. is on the board. Let's say, except for one in particular, but we're not going to talk about right. that one just yet. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So let's say just about every mutant yes. is on the board, and it's interesting that you know that uh, this character would come back, but. If you go back far enough with the X-Men, there are, there's a specific era that uh, we're talking early 80s. We're talking Ramita Jr. on the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the era of uh, Uncanny X-Men that we're referring to when it comes to 
the character that is referenced here in a letter to the Quiet Council regarding a possible resurrection. Right. And, and a possible fast-tracking of a resurrection. Exactly. Um, actually, two, uh, realistically. Unless, you're, well, unless we're talking about the same one. No, we're talking about the same one. Okay. Yeah, but then two, because, because um, there's a data page talking about uh, another character that had to deal with uh, a threat, or that was, I guess, was effective against a threat that they have coming up. Let's put this, that's a, a long-standing uh, X-Men villain. Uh, and, and they were also talking about that, which is who had also been brought up in for another reason in a few issues back, uh, before the gala started. Oh right, yeah. So okay, so they did kind of bring that up, and it's like like so I turned they're, they're kind of bringing in more Hellfire members back in back to the fold with with that. I honestly thought that when they t- first started talking talk about that first character, I thought they were going to say that nope, this person's not a mutant, so you she's lost for good. Uh, because Sebastian Shaw kind of had a plan. So basically, yeah, Sebastian Shaw was like, hey, uh, I got a plan to bring this mutant back. Uh, and then Charles kind of comes up and, and to talk to Emma. And is like, uh, you want to tell him or should I? And then Emma starts recounting the story that comes off of last issue's backup story. That kind of... And he had, it turns out that that all was not... <laughs> Exactly. As it appeared to be to Sebastian Shaw. Right. But I was really focusing upon the other member of the Hellfire Club who played a part, you know, in that era that I was that I was referring to. Right. So we okay, so we yeah, so we were talking about mm-hmm. the, the same one in that respect. Yeah. Yes. But and then there's this one also. We're just talking about it from different different way. Um yeah, and accordingly there's a little bit of I guess I don't know if that was a retcon or that's something that actually happened because we found out about a deal that Emma made with another uh with a longtime Spidey villain villain who's you know whatever. Um and some stuff. And there's also some uh there's also the book is kind of actually subject to uh bringing up uh abuse against women in a couple of different ways. Because uh, um, on another side story, the Cuckoos were dealing with um, basically cleaning up a mess that they made during the the uh, the, the Hell, Hellfire Club by trying to give this other person, um, whom I still still not entirely sure who this person was. Oh no, the Thomas Verundi. That's the right. If you Until, recall, right? If you recall, they're Hellfire Club members, but they are human. Right. And, you know, they're, because they're they're taking a stance, you know, uh, leading Holmes Verendi, they uh, the, the the cuckoos, the Stepford cuckoos took matters into their own hands. But now, as is, you know, storytelling as, as storytelling is wont to do nowadays, many villains are discovered to be or or or, or ultimately are. The story characters. basically shows that they're not as bad as they, as we think they are, right. and that they are often the way they are because of you know outside forces Past and trauma. become more sympathetic as a result. Mm-hmm. And that is a storytelling trope, <laughs> but at the same time, it's something we see all the time in comics. And it's something we saw here play out over the course of a few issues with this character from Hominus Verendi. So. And, and that goes specifically with the X corner of the universe, because there have been, we have seen a from even from way back in 
well, Dawnwick specifically, maybe not Hoxpox, but um, where, like, hey, his former villain, you know, and they're all of a sudden there's like, nope, there's trauma or something in their past, and hey, we're going to give him a second shot, you know, and you come to Krakow and all this kind of, you know, uh, business. Like, there has been a lot of that since since Dawn of, uh, Dawn of X. Right. And, you know, obviously there's a philosophical thing going on with Krakoa mm-hmm. and this play that, you know, this storytelling trope plays into that mm-hmm. because they're doing their best to 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 welcome all mutants, all of their, you know, and virtually all of their former uh, 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 enemies or 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 uh, antagonists, as it were. Yes. And what is what do they say? The only person they put in the hole is Sabretooth because right. he's. He's even though he's played something of a hero in the past. Apparently, they they're considering him unredeemable at this point. So right. they put him in a hole. I suspect they're going to reverse that at some point, but it's just going to be a while. Um, but right. yeah, I mean, and we still don't know how long Krakoa is going to last. That you know the the rate they're going, who knows how long this particular? And it's a shame because I felt like. They ended the the Utopia storyline. It felt like a little too soon. I feel like Krakoa could go on for a while, but I don't know if... I hope it does. Right. I don't know if Hickman is looking to end it right. I don't... You know, it it seems like they're on a collision course with a certain other character. And, you know, who knows how long Krakoa might last. I mean, at some point, all the... Well, and that gets... That kind of sort of gets addressed in another book we'll talk about this week. Or at least mentioned as a as a possibility um in another book we'll talk about uh, this week but and yes that is the case oh that seems could be the case but i feel like if this is hickman uh and as we have known from other hickman things he kind of plays a good long con uh so i i would suspect and i kind of really hope that this is going to be uh something that's going to last for a good while even with what we know is coming up relatively soon you know and like and, right and, no i hope so too and, and i agree with that you know in in the in the sense that hickman does play the long game mm-hmm. but I've, i i sincerely hope that krakoa somehow stays around for as long as possible because it's such a great concept right you know it's 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 like destiny's prophecy it's not the first island but it's the last you know, right. it's not the first mutant island, but it's the last. You know, previously right. there was Genosha, previously there was Utopia, mm-hmm. and now we have Prakoa. Mm-hmm. Like they so. tried. They tried Limbo. They tried New York. They've tried. Yeah, they've been. They've been places, and no, no place actually really stick. And, and despite Krakoa being what it is, they, they seem to be making a run on it. Right. Nothing lasts. I mean, you know, they eventually circle back to Westchester a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So. And they seem to be kind of sort of going away with that because, especially showing that uh, Westchester's have been abandoned, right? But they still kind of they, they'll go back to it. They to, still have the yeah. They still have the address. They just don't use it the way we're used to it. You know, exactly. with that one visit by Cap, he's like, "No, I kind of like going here." Well, even that. Well, even before that, because there was a, a, a or was it an annual or something where Nightcrawler took a team back there for some odd reason. Um. And they ended up back there for some for some reason. I don't remember, but um, I feel like it's something. I know, I know what you're talking about. I know yeah. what you're talking about. I don't think that was to. I don't think that was to the school though. But you could be right. I'm not. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I remember it was like a a, a one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do remember it was a one shot. Yep. 
That I think we're thinking the same thing. Yep. Um, but that being the case, um, we're going to enjoy the ride um, for as long as it lasts, and I, and I do hope it, like I said, I hope it lasts uh, a good while with all of that. Because like I said, it's really been some good stuff in there. Like I definitely do want to see when the other shoe drops with the the, the other character we kind of been him around that you know uh, eight and seventy kind of very much mentioned, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, but but ten ten, like I said, I'm very very glad to see what's going on here, and I hope it does find a way to kind of stay even after whatever the shoe drops, because it's the, it's the best of all the worlds. It's like it makes total sense in the in the vein of what's going on right now. Yep. Uh, and and I guess the, there was another point that uh, kind of brought up uh, that I was going to say is like, yeah, they're trying to redeem all of their mutant enemies because not necessarily all of them enemies because let's face it they still got human enemies they still have people hunting them who are you know are, are more than human if, if they're if they even had any humanity in the first place and yada 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 um so no, those those folks are still gonna be there they're just trying to redeem the uh the mutant folks right the, the mutant enemies rather that being said, uh, we'll go over to the other common mutant book that we've read this week, which would be no, uh, New Mutants number 20. New Mutants number 20 is written by Vita Ayala with art by Alex Linz, colors by, ben, by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So again, we, we, we were discussing the, the, the batting order for uh, this show in terms of what books we were going to discuss. And I mentioned that this issue follows up on a couple of storylines that were happening pre Hellfire Gala and picks up on some stuff that happened right when the gala or well, right. Well, what happens during the gala, uh, specifically what happens to a uh, scout, AKA the honey badger. Right. And right. there are some interesting machinations going on here and they all seem to revolve around one Amal Farouk otherwise known as the Shadow King Mm -hmm. and various members of and we don't have like a formal the same way we didn't have a formal X-Men team up until recently we don't really have a formal New Mutants team rather the New Mutants title seems to encompass all of the younger mutants Right. Everyone that was previously on New Mutants, Generation X, uh, New X-Men, and everywhere in between, everyone that falls into these categories um, that hasn't graduated to like one of the more senior X-Men teams like Jubilee and Sync, right? Everyone else falls under the under this New Mutants umbrella, and so... A lot of these characters seem to, in the New Mutants book, seem to have found themselves in the orbit of Amal Farouk for various reasons, and we're seeing how that's going to intersect. Um, there is a certain group of, I don't want to say outcast, because they're mutants. You know, mutants generally tend to fall into that categorization, right? Right. But they're more but they... of physical. Right, these are more of the mutants whose physical whose gifts tend to deform them physically. Right, and they find themselves still feeling, you know, 
uh, feeling like outcasts among outcasts. And Scout has taken it upon herself to try to be as sympathetic as possible, but these the, the, this particular group still doesn't, you know, the, there's obviously the nature of teen or young person rebellion here, mm-hmm. but this particular group feels put upon because of the, the effects that their mutations have had on their uh, personal appearance. And so some of this, I think, stems from that. Some of their attitudes stems from that. And these characterization, the characterizations that uh, Vida Ayala and previous writers have started to um, give these characters lends itself to them, at least in my mind, being kind of annoying. But that's what they're supposed to be. They're young. <laughs> they're young. They're rebelling. They're they're pushing back against some of the the prettier X Men. That's not a new storyline right. in the world of X Men. So, um, you know, you know that being the case, these um, you know these outcasts among outcasts hatch a plan because something that they discover during the Hellfire Gala, you know, uh, spurs them into action. And meanwhile, uh, you know, and these and, and and as I said earlier, these characters have found themselves in the orbit of one Shadow King. It, it turns out that another character who we more freely associate with the new mutants has found herself that's a mild spoiler also in the orbit of the shadow king mm-hmm. and i'll let roddy cat take it from there well so it's, it is definitely like um what agent 70 said uh, everything he said so far has been the case and it's kind of while this book has not um has not focused on a well, it's kind of focusing on a particular set in, in a way, but it also has the OG New Mutants taking a more mentor role uh, with this new generation of kids. Uh, and do we see them... But we also get some interspersing um, plot lines with their stuff, as uh, Agent 70 just said, with one particular one. Or a couple of particular, well, yeah, one particular because they get this book has definitely um, have kind of interspersed itself with some, you know, with like the younger generation and then some stuff with the with the OG uh, New Mutants uh, crew and kind of weaving a little bit of, of that within itself. And as far as the thing with Scout is concerned, um, yeah, they definitely. Um, and oh well, and, and the other part of the that is like, yeah, while. Krakoa is its own society, even in its own society, as we as we tend to know that people still splinter off in their particular groups, just like they have here in Krakoa, regardless. And you know, some folks uh, gravitate towards others for odd reasons, and this group of young kids, because of their um, mutual um, uh, mutant deformity, and I don't want to say deformities, but uh, uh, but the way they're gifts their, their mutant powers manifest uh, outwardly in their physical uh, stance uh, kind of puts them away from others who like agent 70 said or can, can almost pretty much pass for human or can pass for human um, and yeah like I said and, and, and in that point that this group kind of had an issue with scouts up until what happened just happened last issue and them them kind of like saying oh well shoot <laughs> like it was basically almost like they're memorializing her even though she's 
I guess. I don't, I'm not even sure what the, the status of her is because she's dead, but she's not dead. I'm not entirely certain because based on what the Shadow King did to her, it seemed like she was more brain dead than actually dead. Right. We're not 100% sure what's happened. Exactly. And this, this particular group of younger mutants is taking it upon themselves to try to fix things that they may not necessarily have the best grasp of. Exactly. You know, they may not have the best grasp of the situation. I just wanted to touch on that. It turns into like a little side mission for this for for, for the younger mutants. Mm-hmm. Whereas Roddy Cat said, there is a group of uh, kind of like the OG New Mutants and one X Force guy, um, yes. who uh, are are supervising another group of younger mutants and mentoring them as they uh, as they you know perform an away mission, as it were. You know, shout out to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they, they 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 perform an away mission at a British overseas territory, which I did not Google to see if this is a real place, <laughs> but. Um, it's interesting that the mutant and and it's it's an old X Men story where uh, this group of mutants is going to investigate the emergence of another mutant who is unable to control his or her own powers. Mm-hmm. In this case, the powers that are unable to be controlled are seem very much reminiscent of Richter's power. So I found it uh, interesting and a and a mild coincidence that they would introduce a, a, a another mutant a new mutant no pun intended in these pages mm-hmm. but a new mutant who seems to possess power similar to Richter whereas Richter as we know him now has morphed into a magic user who <laughs> is informed by his mutant abilities yeah he's a straight up D&D character now right but with the you know, but because he, the only reason he's able to tap into this is because of his mutant abilities, which is you know, which is, right. you know, uh, uh, shout out to um, Excal- the pages of Excalibur mm-hmm. where they developed that with uh, Apocalypse, right? Which makes sense because Excalibur is a more magic forward uh, mutant book, and always kind of has been in certain respects. Magic. I just thought it was a funny coincidence, like, well, well, you know, we lost our our Richter character power set, mm. let's put it back into play. I mean, yeah. Well, not necessarily. I, just thought, I just thought of it yeah, that way. Right. That's the way I, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, wait, isn't that Richter? Well, maybe it's not right now. But also Avalanche. Like, ah, that's true. Yeah. So, no, nah, and we, we, we do know that there are mutants that, there, there are more than one mutants that tend to have similar, similar uh, power uh, sets to them. Right. I just saw it as, you know, we need we we need someone that can do that on the roster. Sure. <laughs> so, or at the very least, cultivate someone, yeah, who could eventually uh, do something like that. So, yeah, you're right. Um, but also, I don't know. Maybe uh, this is the kind of thing because normally, classically, mutant powers, and this is not a hard and fast rule because there are, there are ones that don't have. Usually, when you know mutants hit puberty, that's when. They used to start hitting their power levels, but now, but we've seen in many and plenty of cases, like, nah, that doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes it's a little earlier in this case, and sometimes it's a little later, and da 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 da. So that's not really the classic case anymore. Because this is, this, even for the Union Mutants, this kid seemed like it was, they were a little on the not too youngest side, but, you know, 
or around the beginning of the uh, the, um, the the start stage, of yeah, yeah the, the when that would normally happen. So I mean, it's hard to tell. That's also a function of the art, and they don't exactly. specifically state the character's age. Mm-hmm. You know, times oftentimes when Claremont was setting it up, they were, or other writers. You know, not just Claremont, but when other writers would set it up, they would say so and so was in seventh grade. <laughs> you know, or something, some, 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 some outside way of uh, 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 some empirical way of referencing how old this character was without actually coming out and saying it, you know, the character's like 12 or right. going on 13 and boom, all of a sudden the character's mutant powers started to manifest. Right. Like a deeper voice. <laughs> Indeed. So we'll see how all of that plays out and when when and or if this character is going to come back into play uh, and whatever else is going on with uh, what, whatever the kids are trying to do and, of course, um, the OG uh, uh, Shadow King and the OG uh, New Mutants. All this kind of plays out some kind of way because apparently they're going somewhere with this. Um, I'm still not really sure if people know if he's even on the island outside of the people who's um, outside of the the folks who's run across. Well, I guess it did because of that one scene in the bar. So, I guess that does kind of you know, because I thought they played it out as he was a figment of our imagination or something like that, but it didn't really go to that length. So... No. Uh, no he... definitely, definitely the scene at the bar as I said, puts this character into their orbit. Right. And that's that's where we get our little cliffhanger ending which is uh, very much a TV trope. <laughs> yeah. It's not an action trope. It's a TV trope where we get our cliffhanger ending. Indeed. Uh, and with that, uh, we can go on to, I guess we'll do like one or two more books and then we'll hit wrap it. I was about to say we could do wrap it now because um, I don't know if we have too many more. We have maybe one more in common. Uh, yes, we do. Wanna do wanna yeah. do that one? Yeah, we can do that one, and then we can go rapid fire. All right, Guardians of the Galaxy sixteen. Then, or you got yes. it. Yeah, that's it. That is it. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Frigeri, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I can tell you that I definitely enjoyed this issue very much as, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I guess, the um, the uh, the first full issue of this crossover. Yes. Because it, it, it was teased prior to this, but this crossover is titled The Last Annihilation, and it's going to cross over with the, the, the Mutant Sword book as well. And... Um, I definitely enjoy that this picks up on um, uh, Al Ewing's big crossover, whose name I am blanking on right now. Why am I blanking on the name of this big crossover? The Cosmic Crossover. Oh, uh, you talking about the... Um... Why am I blanking on? I'm going to have to look it up again. Oh uh, shoot! Uh, See, I love it when we're both just like, "Oh man, I can't believe we can't remember this." Right. Um, that's so funny. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I know. I can't longer. remember it. Yeah. Well, no, Empire. Empire. Yeah. It's Empire with a Y. I right. got it. I got it. I finally <laughs> cracked the code. 
Because it was I an had to go Avengers the roller deck a couple of times. That's right. a shout out to old folks who know what a roller deck is. <laughs> you know, I had to go through the data files. All right, I had to flip through them manually. Right. It was a <laughs> yes. It was a, a an Avengers event that was cosmic focused uh, from what two years ago, a year two years ago. Not that long ago, maybe a year ago. I mean, it was last year. It was last it year, was actually. 2020. Yes, yeah. It was twenty twenty. So, you know, Look, this, not this, that long. This ago. year feels like five years. So, <laughs> I, listen, pandemic pandemic time is unlike real time. Mm. So, all of our senses of time have gone completely to poop. Yes. Um, but anyway, getting back to Guardians of the Galaxy number sixteen. So, this you know th- this storyline definitely picks up up on many of the threads that were left in Empire. Namely, you know, we're following up on a big galactic threat that impacts the Shi'ar-Kree alliance and their new rulers, uh, one uh, uh, Ted, uh, Theodore Ted Altman. (laughs) That's That's a shout out, folks. That's a minor reference. And, um, and, and, um, and uh, uh, Billy Kaplan, a.k.a. Wiccan. <laughs> you know, and we, we open on that as uh, reports of uh, these uh, uh, of this in- invasion and attacks are uh, start to become widespread. You know, just as uh, the king and his royal consort have to fend off one attack, several similar attacks are popping up around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if uh, and if the cover of uh, the uh, issue that is being shown on the screen is no in, uh, is any indication to you, this is the big bad who is the one stirring up the trouble, which comes in the form of one ego-sized, like actual ego, the planet-sized uh, Dormammu head who has not come to bargain. Right, right. Well, it's it's really quite literally a combination of the two yes quite literally a combination of the two so this is a pretty formidable foe to you know that 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 uh that's facing our heroes mm-hmm. uh and and in the form of uh domamo and the mindless ones who obviously you know who would come along with <laughs> if you know anything about classic uh classically uh domamo right um but yeah that being said so yeah, so we get we get the, the the starting attack of that with the minus ones attacking various places uh, in the galaxy, like uh, like Agent Seven said. But on the other side of that, we are getting um, we're still getting tied into what's going on with Krakoa and the remnants uh, of what happened after the gala, because uh, Nova and uh, and Peter Quill are still on Arako, kind of surveying the area talking and and basically as I'm getting back to something I mentioned earlier uh mentioning whether all of this could uh continue to last or not which you know I think both of them are in various various points of being skeptical about it but what I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic about it than the other um because as as it tend, as it tends to be said like nothing really lasts forever and as I believe it was Nova that said like yeah I've seen plenty of times where things like that happen and it's kind of for some reason, for one reason or another, it just goes kind of goes away. This one right. could, could very well be no different. Um, it's it's wild because I like that 
And 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 I know that I've said this on the show, and Roddy Cat is definitely familiar familiar with me um, complaining about some of the characterization that some writers have given Richard Ryder yes. post Annihilation. But I like that Al Ewing is going back to the characterization from Annihilation, but in but incorporating some of the things that has hap- that have happened to him since that have right. given him some you know post traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, specifically making Richard go through therapy himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what's interesting in this is that that particular characterization that Al Ewing gives him where he is more the weathered, you know, the, 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 the um, not crusty, but, you know, just the weathered veteran, mm-hmm. you know, war weary, battle weary as the Nova Prime of all uh, you know uh, of it all he's seen a lot of these uh planetary developments come and go in his travels in the universe so yep. it makes sense and i like that um i like that characterization i'm glad to see richard Ryder getting a little bit of shine in that regard and getting some character development in that regard mm-hmm. uh, i also appreciated um kind of some of the respect that uh, you know uh, the 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 phrase nowadays nowadays is put res- put some respect on that name. <laughs> they put you put some respect on the Nova name mm-hmm. because he you know and it's it's really wonderfully done by uh, uh, Juan Frigeri. This one you know it's a it's a four panel one page kind of mini splash where you know they really kind of highlight. Uh, you know, uh, some of the, the power that Nova is able to tap into as the the, the, the the prime holder of the Nova Force. Right. He's, he's going to do the thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was. It, it's great. He's just like, disengage safeties. I'm like, oh, snap. Right. Okay. It's basically like if uh, when when Goku kind of powers up and is like, oh, I got to go here and do this thing, like, and just happens to, which actually happens in this in this issue, just so happens to come in at in the nick of time to save some folks uh in the in the end of this um almost goku like <laughs> for, for for those for those dragon ball p uh dragon ball z folks uh who and now i get the reference <laughs> which is the other reason why i said that but um uh so yeah so like i said um um so there's a battle being uh Fought on a couple of different uh, um, um, fronts. Uh, the other members of the the uh, Guardians are kind of on that front, um, and things kind of start to come together. With like I said, uh, like uh, has been said, uh, things don't go necessarily that well in the in the first outing. Um, you know, there's there's a, a setback. Well, not necessarily a setback, but um, you know, like I said, things just don't really go um, well in that first. Uh, First outing, uh, I'm sure they're going to regroup and, and do whatever. Like I said, Nova kind of comes in and makes a big save at the end of the book, um, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens then. And like uh, then the thing with uh, I did mention already the the thing with uh, Quill and uh, Nova being on Araco, kind of mentioning that part, and uh, another allusion to what's going on in X books, and uh, kind of comes in the form of Wiccan, who kind of has a vibe. On as he says, something happened. Uh, something happened during the gala, or 
something close to somebody, something happened to something close to somebody uh, that's close to him, which we know did. Exactly. Hold up. Exactly. That at this point he still doesn't know anything about, but uh, someone, someone else close to him knows about at this point, but they've not really touched on that since that happened. Um, and I, I guess being that this uh, book and sword um, are along in this, in the, um, or in this event, I assume at some point that's going to get rectified. Um, yeah. But we'll see. So I guess this is going to be continued in the pages of the next issue of Sword, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it was a good issue, and uh, yes. like I said, yeah, it, Sword number seven is up yes. next. Yeah, so it was a good issue to kind of kick this whole thing off. Like I said, and it, and I've said, I feel like I've said somewhere recently that it was a good thing that we did those. Um, that we did those um, uh, evergreen uh, episodes of uh, Comic Book Chronicles last year when we talked about the initial uh, event that this is kind of springing out of. Right. Uh, because for myself, you know, who didn't necessarily read it at the time and, and as Agent 70 gleefully um, <laughs> and, and uh, enjoys the fact that uh, that I, that I've now caught up with it and can uh, and can also appreciate it. Um, you know, coming back into that into this, even though it's not directly tied to that one, but it still kind of has shades of it in in similar manners. Right, and and ultimately, you know what we're what we're talking about is annihilation, mm-hmm. and annihilation begat annihil you know like several you know offspring events, but that really served to be the springboard for where we are currently in Marvel cosmic, you know, and, you know, and developed, you know, and developed the concept of the, you know, developed the current concept of the guardians that made it into the MCU. Mm -hmm. So, um, I also wanted to note that it did help. I thought you were actually referring to the Kree scroll war episode that we did because, you know, a lot of that stuff has, you know, came home to roost during Empire. And now we're getting more fallout from Empire, you know, you know, basically, you know, Kree Scroll War begat Empire, begat, has begat now the last annihilation. Right. Yeah. But, the, the, but yeah, but, you know, out of those two, though, I actually read Kree Scroll Roll previously before, right. well, yeah, earlier than, than I'd ever gotten, gotten to Annihilation. Which, like I said, right, un- right. up until we talked right. about, I had only I had right. It. I was only familiar with uh, with Kree Scroll War in the broadest of strokes. Mm-hmm. So I was very, I very much benefited from going through the issue, going through the issues and doing an uh, and doing an episode on it uh, during the pandemic, an evergreen episode. Feel free to go back into our archives, folks. However, you get your podcast or on YouTube. In fact, I will. Uh, if I remember, I will put both of those links to those in the show notes, uh, so that you can go check those out. Because they are on YouTube. so There, there you go. go. Uh, like I said, if we can get um, a few more followers on Twitch, we can put them on Twitch too. But, you know, hey, they're out there. On, and they're out, they're out there in the, the podcast feed also. So, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll put things to those. That being said, I think we can push on. Uh, yep, to I think we can go to rapid to, fire. No, yeah, excuse me, to rapid fire, not clicks of the week. We ain't there yet. Yeah, but we haven't gone through the rapid fire <laughs> yet. So, we are about to go into rapid fire, folks. Get ready. I ain't got time to bleed. Thank <laughs> you.
like how that particular movie has actually recently come up because I think I was watching the the, the um, honest trailer for that recently. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, rapid fire, folks. Uh, you, uh, you know what? I will go because I don't. Really, oh. I think you have a couple more books than I do. No um, problem. So for my first book, yes, Dark Blood number one from Boom Studios. Um, um, and I'm actually going to read from I'm, I'm, I'm still in from Comixology on this one but uh, I will say that uh, the, the, the writing credits go to I mean excuse me the, the creative team goes credits go to written by Latoya Morgan illustrated by Walt Barna colors by AHG and letters by Andworld Design and I'm going to say here that there's a content warning for this particular issue because one it's set uh, in Alabama 1955 and there's a particular word that is a derogatory term that we don't try to use anymore but people still manage to do so for stupid ass reasons mm. that is being used yeah, here that would be a lot like bitter root yeah kinda kinda in a way um, even though bitter root goes back even further in history exactly yeah um, bitter root is said, said in Harlem's 1920s this is said in uh, Alabama 1955 uh, yeah, Root has adventured to other parts of America in the 1920s. So that is also that's where true. This particular, uh, when you said that, when you when you made this reference to the language, I'm like, oh, we've seen some of that yes. in Bitter Root. Yes, so. we definitely have, and I think I feel like I've mentioned that that, that the same thing there. Uh, it, oh. it, at very least, if we, when we first started talking about it, if not in subsequent issues, um, which hasn't really shown up that uh, that that much in subsequent issues either. But so. Um, regardless, like I said, um, so I'm gonna read this real quick. Uh, Alabama, 1955. Avery Aldrich is a normal, uh, an ordinary young black man, a decorated war war two veteran. And while we don't really get the sense of this uh, part in this issue, uh, he provides for his wife and daughter. Like I said, we all, we only get introduced to him, and we get flashbacks to him during I, what I assumed is World War One or. One of World War One, I, I guess, or two. Well, it could be two because yeah, two would be uh, like the, the the most recent from that point. Um, but regardless, he um, is is a decorated uh, military man, but also has uh, some issues. But also uh, issues with uh, that because at the time, and sometimes even still now, when they come home, they get treated a certain different way, especially during that time with certain groups of people. Um, and in this issue, that kind of comes into play because, like, he's basically trying to mind his own business and he gets harassed by this one white person. Uh, uh, and uh, we come to find out that Avery has so- somehow, some way manifested powers, and we got to cut back and forth in time from the presentation to Tim to him and back in his military days where uh, another stressful event let's just say is happening to him that may have given him his powers not entirely sure about that um because it's it because because you would get saying saying something that says like hey 10 years before the variance and then you know the day of the uh so the, this one event the current event that when he's being harassed is like the day of the of a certain event and the flashbacks are like 10 years prior when he was in the military. Um, 
but like it's like the like this um overview says uh but the wounds of the past have a way of coming back and avery aldridge will soon discover that he is anything but ordinary uh after a run-in which is what i do just the uh, aforementioned harassment uh to, to put it lightly so, so sadly um uh happens awakens strange new abilities uh, Avery's about to become more powerful than he's ever uh, dared to dream. It's kind of almost weirdly feels like Noble from um, Catalyst Prime, in a way, except for the way that it uh, the the um, that he's got his powers. Because even at the end of the issue, we find out like there's a little bit more going on with that, and you know we see there's something still going on that was going on with him in the past that kind of I guess either hadn't manifest yet or you know. It was not known to be manifest, but this was this was kind of interesting. Like I think another issue, I mean another book that kind of similarly um, goes, uh, talk, it's kind of similar to this is Black, uh, the series where just black people get powers and uh, you know the 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 same uh, racism still happens uh, then. But I, I was curious about this book when I when I when I ran across it this weekend, and so I was like. And it's a fairly decent start and got me interested to uh, check out the uh, the next issue to see where this goes. Um, which I realize this is rapid fire, so let me keep going. It's to say to, that my last book is Gamma Flight number two. Um, and uh, if folks don't know, this is the kind of spinoff from Immortal Hulk. Uh, this is a five, yeah, I believe this is a five issue limited series. And let me get the creative team real quick because I forgot to put it in. I believe this is... Yes. Uh, writers Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier. Artist uh, Lan Medina. Uh, Antonia Fabella is doing the color artist. Uh, is the color artist. And lettering is VC's Joe Sabino. So the, the question of this is... Um, at the After the events of uh, the first issue, uh, apparently... Gamfight has a run-in with Scar, who is the son of the Hulk from Planet uh, Planet Hulk. Um, we also find out that Scar is here to collect a gamma mutate that um, that has gotten away from him or or him. But also, as we find out at the is- at the end of this um, issue, there are more people at play. Than Scar. In fact, there there are, seems to be people controlling Scar, um, especially in the form of one classic Hulk villain who is about to make his uh, MCU uh, appearance, reappearance, I should say. Uh, but the crux of this issue is uh, Samson and Titania trying to hold their own against uh, against um, against Scar, all the while having a conversation about. How much of a jerk uh, Leonard Sampson is, which kind of high, high time somebody does it. And I kind of Titania kind of endears me more when she's like this because she was because she was just kind of giving it to him the whole time while they're sitting here trying to fight. And even and Sampson's like, yeah, 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 uh, I, yeah, I, I get it. I'm kind of this and that and the other. And uh, meanwhile, the other members of um, Gamma Flight are trying to either retrieve them or get back to them because they have malfunctions with the translocator that they don't normally use. Um, and uh, Absorber Man kind of takes it upon themselves, kind of takes it upon himself to kind of 
helped the situation along and may have eventually put the the team um, into another issue or into another set of problems in, in doing so. But again, and this is before we find out who is uh, seemingly behind the fact that Scar, Scar is running around loose and the said um, classic Hulk villain that shows up at the end of this. So, some pretty good read. Uh, you should check it out if you're so interested. Uh, and that is it for me. Okay. So, for my rapid fire books, I have Captain Marvel number 30. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by uh, Jacopo Kamani. Uh, colors by Espen Grundichem. All the European names. Uh, back the backup story is is written is written by and with art by uh, Jamie McKelvey, whose name I've unbelievably butchered in my notes. Apparently, whose <laughs> uh, um, first name I you know uh, you know it's a fat finger typo. And uh, letters are by VCs Clayton Cowell. So uh, I can tell you that I have not been a fan of the recent. Uh, storyline that Kelly Thompson has crafted in the pages of Captain Marvel. There have been, well, let me let me broaden that a little bit. I'm not I'm not a fan of the time traveling uh, stories that Kelly Thompson has penned for this character, but I'm starting to see where she's going with them. And this most recent storyline has to do with uh, Carol Danvers experimenting with. Uh, gaining magical powers because of some of these uh, time travel uh, shenanigans that she's had to go through. And we see kind of a comeuppance. We see a plan executed on, you know, uh, uh, and followed through upon by her uh, so that she gets the desired effect, but unfortunately gains some more enemies in the process and apparently gained some enemies in the form of uh, other magic users, not just the characters that we see depicted in the pages of this book. Um, we also get a resolution of the relationship status between Rhodey, James Rhodey Rhodes and Carol, and it does turn out to be, spoiler alert, a somewhat happy ending, um, you know, despite recent events. We also oh, that's good news. get right. We also get a great backup story. It's written and drawn by Jamie McKelvey, and in it, Carol Danvers seeks out counsel from none other than Kamala Khan. One of you know, basically her legacy. Her, you know, she's the legacy hero that took up the mantle of Ms. Marvel. And the story, without me completely spoiling it, is essentially about Carol reconciling what she's just been through. And I appreciated that as a reader who hasn't been keeping up with this from issue to issue. And the way Carol recaps what's been going on to Kamala really helped me come to grips with what Kelly Thompson, I think, was trying to accomplish here. And... I really appreciate that they brought these characters up to date 
obviously it's meant to facilitate or at least reflect the closer bonds that these characters are eventually going to have that they've always had but are going to have in the movies you know as they essentially uh, appear uh, in the marvels movie you know it, you know it's it, this is just a precursor oh is that my alexa talking it is my alexa talking <laughs> that's hysterical <laughs> That is my Alexa talking. That is so funny. I don't know what I said to to to, uh, to, to cue her off. Clearly, Alexa is a, is a Captain Marvel fan. Yeah, seriously, that's crazy. Alexa's kind of far away too, which is wild. I must be speaking really loudly. I am going to lower my volume. But um, but yeah, as I said, uh, the the backup story it proved to be very effective for me, and I definitely enjoyed reading this backup story. Um, like, uh, you know, without beating uh, a dead horse, the fact that it, it did a really good recap mm. of re- the recent time traveling stories that Kelly Thompson has done really helped me as a reader understand what I was kind of floating in and out, in and out of mm. while I was, you know, kind of skimming, uh, you know, the stories of the book. I'm actually so not, I, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I appreciated that. Go ahead. Okay, I was about to say, I, I'm actually, because um, I was curious, when you were talking about it initially in the last couple few issues, um, I, I was I was curious about it because, like, I'm I, I'm all right with a good time travel story when, when it's done properly. And, um, you know, like I said, I was kind of curious about that one when you said, when you mentioned it. And I was like, but I never did really catch up to, uh, to doing that. And I was going to ask outside of that, away from that, is... Um, well, I was going to ask if her sister was running around, but I feel like there was a reference to her in, like, Guardians. Yes, L'Oreal. Yes. Um, so I think I might have answered my own question with, with that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if yeah, she was still off doing, She's off doing Cree Empire stuff. Right. As the new, um, whatchamacall, as the new um, accuser. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she has her own role to play without being in the Captain Marvel book. Mm. But uh, anyway, next up is uh, Philadelphia number 15. This is a book from Image, written by Rodney Barnes, with art by Jason Sean Alexander, with a guest uh, art help uh, helping hand by Well B, uh, colors by Luis Nicht, and letters by Marshall Dillon. The backup story is by Rodney Barnes, and art by... Uh, Chris Chris Mitten. Uh, just very quickly, I have been following Philadelphia since Jump. It is a very entertaining story. As as always, I have. I'm not the only person that that that, that jokes that if you watched Hamilton and 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 uh, are are uh, mildly curious about uh, these um, these historical characters and seeing this twist being applied to them, this vampiric twist. And supernatural twist being applied to them, um, you know, piques your interest. And this is the book for you. So it's a, it's it's definitely uh, a, a walk down another president's memory lane. You know, we've basically been dealing with John Adams and his wife Abigail, but another president takes something close to center stage in this. We also get a spiritual journey where. Um, Someone is off looking for help 
while the vampires are running roughshod over the streets of Philadelphia. So um, without spoiling everything, it's just, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on here. It is gory, but still lots of fun. The cliffhanger at the end of the page, though, brings in a completely new, not new in terms of popular culture, but a completely new concept into the book. And I found that intriguing. So, you know, it was a really interesting twist at the end of this book. It's nothing new, especially if you've been keeping up with, uh, here's a big hint, with stuff that's written by Neil Gaiman or stuff that is, um, has found its way into pop culture recently. That's really the best way I can put it. So, you know, to see this particular concept enter into this book uh, to kind of expand the supernatural world in it, you know, proved to be pretty interesting. And, um, you know, and the werewolf backup story continues to, to, to move, um, you know, another aspect of the supernatural story along in, in this book. Uh, last for me is Nightwing number 82. It is written by Tom Taylor with pencils by Bruno Redondo, Rick Leonardi, Neil, and Neil Edwards. Inks are by Bruno Redondo, Andy Lanning, and Scott Hanna. Colors by Adriano Lucas and letters by Wes Abbott. So, um, if you're not familiar with the big revelation that came out in Nightwing number 81, I'm not going to completely spoil it here, but we open the issue with an all points bulletin. If you're familiar with that, good for you. With an all, you know, basically a rescue plan that's put into place because it appeared that Nightwing had gone offline to Oracle. And uh, it was a, you know, it's a, even though it's only a one page sequence, it's a four page, it's a four panel, one page sequence, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I, I'm not sure which artist drew it. I want to say it was probably Redondo because he's first in the credits. Um, I'm not familiar with his art, but I think that's probably his page. Um, because it doesn't look like, uh, Rick Leonardi to me. And I'm not sure what Neil Edwards' art looks like, but like I said, because his name comes first, I presume that because it comes so early in the story, I think it's his art. But in any event, um, so the rescue plan is called off because uh, it turns out that Nightwing has recovered his feet and is gaining some measure of understanding of his situation he's not in control of his situation but he's gaining a measure of understanding and we get a big fat retcon bomb in this issue it's not the worst retcon bomb because it doesn't necessarily change everything that happened as we knew it to this point but it does add a certain wrinkle to Nightwing's origin, a certain two wrinkles to Nightwing's origin that when Roddicat reads it and if we have a chance to talk about it, he'll, uh, you know, we'll have a chance to talk about it and see if he appreciates it as much as I do. Um, you know, it, it definitely provides a little bit more depth into how we, 
understand Nightwing's origin and Robin's origin and Dick Grayson's origin. Um, it doesn't change anything. It's still essentially how we remember it from Batman the Animated Series. It was done so well there. Yeah. So yeah. Right. So if you're so if you're watching the video, you will see the cover um, uh, of Nightwing eighty two and the um, the the I guess uh, it's not necessarily the title, but the, um, the 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 wording that is used here. If you know anything about uh, uh, Dick Grayson and and his Robin origin, will strike a chord with you. Put it that way. Definitely. That is one way to put it. So it is definitely a, a curiosity. How far should one go back to kind of catch up with this? One issue, maybe two. Okay. Because Tom Taylor just started on this. Right. So um, I would only go – you only really need to go back to when Taylor starts the starts his run on the book because he, this is a concept that I believe he introduces into the page – into the story of Bloodhaven and into Nightwing's story. Okay. And and that's that. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't for me quite rise to the level of a potential click of the week, but I found it enjoyable. Gotcha. And, and that's it for me. And speaking of clicks of the week, let's get two of them. Clicks of the week. Uh, and we have one from our uh, one of our. Um, uh, absent um, co-hosts. Uh, this one comes from Dirt, and it comes in the form of Alien Number Five, uh, which uh, is a series that I've kind of been, as I told him off uh, in our back channel, like yeah, I've been wanting to catch up on. It's only five issues in. Well, technically six if you caught that aftermath issue from last week, which I have no idea what that what that entails. Um, but still, he says that uh, another fun twist on a twist on a twist that makes you wonder how far this series can go. Uh, I'm shocked at how fun this is. So if you don't know, it is Alien, as in the Xenomorph Aliens of the classic movie series that uh, Marvel has acquired the license to re uh, fairly recently. Um, and yeah, they started an ongoing book. Uh, from said uh, from said license that they have of this bit, and I've, like I said, I've been meaning to check this out. I don't know if Agent, uh, Agent Seventy has uh, with my you know with uh, familiarity familiarity with the uh, with the uh, the movies, and, and of which I've enjoyed for the most part, maybe one or two aside, but only well, some. I only have some familiarity. Right. I mean, I haven't seen like Prometheus and those last couple of whatever ones. And actually, I don't funny, think I've seen four. One, that's the one I remember the best because that's the one that's most recent. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen those, and I don't think I've seen four. But I've seen like the first three. Well, I may have seen a little bit of four, but I have never watched it. And like I said, I have still haven't seen the like the quote unquote prequel ones, um, which I hear are not great. But that's I, at some point I'll probably still watch. But irregardless, uh, there is that from him. And I don't know if you have yours. Well, I'll tell you what I'm what I'm considering. Um, my potential clicks of the week mm -hmm. are Moon Knight number one, which okay. I enjoyed as a great jumping off point for a number one book. Agreed. For a character that has had something of a... Uh, 
not a checkered past, but a, a, a spotty past when it comes to solo series, but has had a decent history with uh, creators over the last over the course of our show. Let's put it that way. Yes. As, as in a resurgence, yes, for this character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who, this character who, has definitely seen a resurgence, you know, over the course of our show, which is now spanned for, what, eight-plus years? Right. And I was about to say, who, at the time when he had this resurgence, didn't have a show as he does now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Doesn't have a leading man attached to him either. Well, no. To play. No. Yeah, no. Oscar Isaac. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, you're talking about at the time. I'm saying, yes, you're I'm right. I'm saying you're at right. the time. Right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. I got you. You know, at true. the time he didn't have one. Now he does. Yeah, true. True, true. And my other candidate is Guardians of the Galaxy number 16, which I thought was a great way to get the ball rolling on this last Annihilation storyline. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it because it gave us a sense of the scope. You know, it's wide ranging. It's intergalactic, planetary, you know, it's definitely, you know, I I definitely had that running in my head while this was going on. And I appreciated that very much. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, the what I really uh, enjoyed are some of the character moments in this issue. There are, you know, little things like that callback that Billy that 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 Wiccan makes about feeling something disturbing the force you know as were for him Mm -hmm. because he senses that something is amiss in the fam within the family of the scarlet witch well he doesn't Uh, specifically call that out but he basically says close to him so yes right i mean i'm saying that but that he's not as explicit as that right he doesn't know for sure his twin brother knows yes you know so um I you know and, and I really appreciated that takeoff that 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 Nova had. I I don't know why I just kind of <laughs> fixated on that page. I'm like that is so cool. Probably cuz it harkens back to him his classic book as the human rocket which they even made mention of. I would suspect that oh, yeah. has something to do with. Well, I just thought the sequencing was good too. Mm-hmm. You know because there's a, there's mention of um uh, of Peter Quill saying so you're going to do the thing, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm about to do it. And you see him take the superhero pose. Mm-hmm. He doesn't throw his hair back. But <laughs> well, yeah. Kind of hard he to do does take him. the superhero pose to take off. Not land, but to take off. Right. Right. And, so, like I said, yeah, and there's also a callback to, like I said, to him being the human rocket, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed I, I, I enjoyed Guardians. So I think I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy number 16, but definite shout-out to Moon Knight number one, which I thought was a, a really strong number one issue to start a series. Okay. So that is uh, Agent 70's pick as we put that back on the screen. And uh, uh, for myself, I know my potential clicks, I, I, I mentioned earlier that Miles Morales number, uh, uh, Spider-Man number 28 is definitely one of them because, you know, it, it was a... There were some good action sequences in it. Like, pretty much they started off and, like, got to the point of, like, then the majority of the book was just whole action until the last couple of pages where, um, where there was a resolution of sorts, uh, to the situation, which, as we said earlier, kind of seemed a little soon. Um, but nonetheless, you know, so we don't know if that's the end of it or just, just like, uh, um, for right now type of situation. Um, also, Guardians definitely was a good uh, an, a good book, so I also enjoyed that as well. 
Um, kind of enjoyed Gamflight too. Um, you know, so. Um, and also Moon Knight. Yeah, Moon Knight was definitely a pretty good. You know what? I am actually going to go with Moon Knight number one. Again, we are fans of of Jet McKay, and you know, as um, you know, as a relaunch, it's not necessarily relaunching because, like we said, it's not like the character hasn't been around in the last couple of years uh, specifically. But you know, for new readers uh, who don't know about the character going into the series, the, the the Marvel series that we know that is coming up, this is a pretty good introduction to the the character. Uh, yeah, it gets you caught form. up. It definitely gets you caught up mm-hmm. on on the whole Mister Knight thing. Yeah, or, or even his backstory in general, because like in during going to Corsa, we kind of see his history gets kind of gets gets spied out. Exactly. So yeah, so if you are interested in that, either going into the new series that has come up, or just in general, as because Moon Knight has had some interesting stuff uh, about him, especially in the past couple of years, as we said earlier, it's worth picking up. For that, it, it'll be interesting to see how they portray his version of mental illness in the show. Yes, so, yeah, in the show, that dissociative identity disorder, I think it is. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you know how they how they decide to portray that will prove to be very interesting. True, true. Uh, and like I said, we do know that Oscar Isaac is the one that's going to be portraying them in the show. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how he. Uh, what kind of a go he has at it. That being said, folks, we're going to... Write it. Oh, right, exactly, and how they write it. Exa- well, yes, especially how they write it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to that's gonna kill it if, uh, if they don't do it ro- properly. But I feel like with what they've been doing with the last three Marvel shows, I feel like it's in pretty decent hands if they get the right people to kind of keep going on that line. Because like I right. said... The last three, the last three shows have dealt with some sort of, uh, so, sort of uh, psychological uh, rec- uh, reasoning, or not reckoning, but um, revolution, res- resolution. Uh, especially with c- coming out of the movies and what happens, then like this, this has um, characters dealing with stuff. This one should not be any different, despite this character coming in brand new. And not right, and not MC, having right, and, and not, not having that 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 pre-existing uh, context for us to draw it from. Right. So, but I feel like they'll still they'll they'll still continue down that road with that. All right, folks. With that, uh, we're going to go into the news section. But first, an ad read. All right, our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. (laughs) 
And we start off, as we do every week around this time, with the cinematic news. And uh, I'm just going to go say this right here and now, not right now. Despite Loki and uh, being done and Black Widow already being out there, probably going to be some spoilers. Just going to say. Suicide Squad pulls this Harley Quinn scene straight out of the comic books. So, yeah, and I saw this tweet when it, uh, uh, when this came out. So basically, uh, Jim Paul Miotti, who is, who was a part of the creative team on a, on recent, uh, recent Harley Quinn books, um, uh, basically put out a tweet says, uh, love seeing these scenes and images in the Harley movies. They're not the Harley movies, but okay. Uh, that are comic book inspired. Uh, cannot wait for the Suicide Squad by the by the amazing James Gunn. August says, "Can I get here soon enough?" That page from uh, issue seventeen of our run of our Harley Quinn, which uh, if you are watching the video, you can see said tweet and said images uh, that he's uh, referencing. So, next up. Next up, so uh, James Gunn revealed that there's one thing that the Warner Brothers studio asked the director of the newest Suicide Squad movie for. And that one thing was that Margot Robbie be included in her role as Harley Quinn. Not really a big surprise there as she's proved to be the only one of the only bankable characters in the DCEU to date. I mean, people do love, enjoy, love slash enjoy her version of Harley. Like, I, I I feel like in that first movie, she was probably one of the more standout. Like, granted, they intentionally did that because they kind of centered around her and uh, Will Smith's uh, bloodshot, um, you know, being bankable stars. So, right. uh, but still, like I said, her role in that was... Um, was uh, pretty well, so was, yeah, like you said, it was not surprising <laughs> uh, that this is the case. So, um, next up, speaking of uh, Margot Robbie, uh, stop it. Um, Margot Robbie reacts to Harley Quinn's death in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So apparently, she had uh, no idea of Harley's uh, Harley's fate in the, the Snyder cut, uh, to which we kind of sort of get alluded to uh, in a post-credit scene. Uh, spoiler alert, she died, folks, if you hadn't seen it. Sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. Um, so, yeah, fans who saw the, the Snyder We're Cut... We're saving up, you the trouble. Kinda. Uh, know that in the Nightmare Future scene reveals that uh, Harley Quinn... Harley died in Batman's arms. Uh, Batman reveals this to the Joker during a conversation in his bleak future. Uh, Harley doesn't appear in the film, and it seems that no one told uh, Margot Robbie about her character's off-screen demise. Um, and she says, what? Uh, Robbie says, after uh, Entertainment Weekly broke the news to her, uh, I didn't know that, and she laughs. Thanks for telling me. Uh, she then offers her thoughts on that development, highlighting how the DC film approach to adapting characters and stories differ from that of Marvel Studios. Uh, and she kind of goes on from there, which we will not. Next up. Alrighty, next up. So, uh, we don't have to go too deep into this. Nope. But Zack Snyder's vision of the DCEU's future apparently is going to live on as his storyboards made with Jim Lee and Jeff Johns have been adapted into a motion comic by fandom. Oh, right. Okay. 
And that's the story. Yeah, that's, yeah, whatever. Snyder Cut lives, the stuff lives on. Who cares? Guess what? We had a good story. It's called Injustice. It's going to be out as an animated thing, and it's already got a comic books and video games. Go with, go with Grace. Next up, uh, Shazam's 2 director reveals new look at Mary Marvel and filming update. Uh, Shazam Fury of the Gods director David F. Sandberg reveals a new peek at Mary Marvel and gives an update about DCEU's movie pro- movies production. Uh, the sequel to 2019's Shazam isn't scheduled to arrive for another two years, yet work is already uh, well underway. Uh, first titled The Fury of the Gods last year at DC Fandome, uh, Shazam 2 will see the return of a young Billy, uh, young hero Billy Batson and his foster siblings, all of you, all of whom, y'all know the story of Shazam, I hope if you don't, well, you didn't see the first movie, then hey, it is what it is. Uh, and we know what they, how they manifest their powers, we don't have to go out about that, I don't know, this, I know they make these uh, articles for people who may or may not be in the know, but... Yeah, uh, plot specifics for Shazam's 2 are still being kept under wraps, but a handful of details have already been revealed. Uh, the villains will be played by Helen Miri, Mirren and Lucy Liu, which, hey, cool. I'm not sure if I knew that, uh, those specific informations. Uh, while West Side Story Breakout, Rachel Ziegler also has joined the cast. Um, we already knew about the Shazam family having new costumes for the, uh, for the sequel, and the, the person that's Mary, playing Mary Marvel is playing the Mary Marvel character, transformed Mary Marvel character. Um, because of time. Because of time passing. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, and we've, and we've talked about that. So, basically, let's see. Uh, on Wednesday, Shazam gave, uh, excuse me, Sandberg gave a not Andy Sandberg, but uh, gave a new Shazam's 2 update on social media. The director shared a picture of Mary Marvel, Grace Fulton, the aforementioned Grace Fulton. Um, the image shows Mary in iconic pose for Rosie the Riveter. Looks to be uh, a poster, perhaps hinting that the Shazam family will become celebrities in their community. Uh, and additionally, Sandberg revealed that uh, that day was day 36 of the Shazam 2's shoot. Which he said would be the last day for his uh, uh, other movie, Annabelle Creation, I guess. Sure. Um, so there you go. That's that. And if you're watching the video, you can see the, the picture of the aforementioned poster, possible poster, um, on the video. Which you should watch sometimes if you're, you know, because sometimes we show some things you might, you know, might not catch on, be able to catch on the uh, audio version. Next up. Next up, so uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson announces that Black Adam has finished filming. Great. The film is slated to hit theaters July of 2022. Uh, Rodica, did you happen to catch an interview, uh, an article? Uh, I'm, I'm looking for a link for it, um, a direct link for it, um, or a TVR, because apparently... Dwayne Johnson has confirmed that he is not appearing in Fast and Furious 10 and 11. And and apparently he and Emily Blunt were talking smack about Vin Diesel's acting abilities or ability to teach acting, that's, which I find hysterical. That's also a very low bar. Um, right. So I'm looking for a link now. But no, I, have, uh, I did not see that. Because it is in CBR. But I will try to get this up to you. But yeah, I find that pretty, you know, 
pretty interesting. I'm like, seriously? Like you are in no you are no you are in no position to talk smack about acting Dwayne Johnson. Pretty much. Um also again, low bar to go through. I'm like, really? Like who didn't know that about these acting at this point? Um but yeah, we will try to get that when um, when uh, H seventy gives the shoots that along. We'll put that in right. the show. I was notes. about to say also like Emily Blunt, maybe not like the best idea to like take shots at like a potential MCU co star. Yeah, I guess that is also true. You know, because we know because we know the Rock's pretty much not coming over to the MCU because he's just like, yeah, I'm Black Adam. That's my franchise. Mm, yeah, for for better or for worse. Exactly. So, you know, that's just that's just me, you know, kind of putting my own editorial spin on it. Yeah, you're right. You're not, you're not wrong. You are not wrong at all. And again, if you're watching the video version, you can see the tweet that uh, that uh, The Rock made on rapping Black Adam. Um, yeah, we'll see how that, you know, we'll see what happens with that because they still got to do posts and all that kind of good mess. Moving right along. Um, Aquaman 2 star Jason Momoa teases a new look in the DCU sequel. Oh, excuse me, the DC sequel. Uh, Jason Momoa has confirmed that he has started filming uh, Aquaman 2 and teases a new look for Arthur Curry. Uh, in a video posted to Instagram, the actor said that I am finally in England. It is sunny out. It's amazing. And I'm going to start uh, Aquaman 2 tomorrow as of this article from a couple of days ago uh, as of this uh, recording. Uh, this is the last day of the brown he said he'll be blonde and they supposedly have more fun I don't know about that we'll test it out uh, but he's excited to see James Wan the director uh, see my whole cast and I just wanted to send my love to all my friends cast members and crew here comes Aquaman 2 dressed like a bat Hoo-ha. okay he didn't say that last part I did but um so the video was posted on July 19th, which means Momoa was, uh, Momoa was set to start filming on July 20th with his new blonde hairstyle. So I'm not sure how to feel about that. Because What's that? That he's the, going blonde? That he's going blonde, right. I don't know. Maybe it's a side effect of something. No. Being in the ocean too long. <laughs> I don't know. As long, no, because, well, I don't know, but... I don't know. I don't feel like that's something they have. To, obviously, we know that classically, Aquaman is blonde, like he's white. Mm-hmm. He's a white dude. I don't know why they had to make this change. Um, that's just me. It is, and we've seen the classic suit with him with this brown with this brown hair. So I, I, I still don't know. Like I'm not pushing back on it that heavily. Like we'll see how it goes. But I'm like that seemed like a weird choice to make that they felt like that they had to do. Nevertheless, pushing on. Uh, just a moment. I am cutting and pasting a link so that Roddy Cat can see exactly what I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, our next story is uh, related to CW's Batwoman. Victoria Cartagena is set to play Renee Montoya in the upcoming third season of Batwoman as a new series regular. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, apparently no relation to Fat Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> I saw the name and I had to look it up, so, yeah. Exactly. Um, 
But yeah, I'm like, that's cool. I, I, again, I ask, I wonder if she's... Oh, okay. Thanks for the link. Um, I, I wonder if she's going to become, eventually be going to become the question, which we know uh, Renee Montoya does. So, we'll see. Yeah, in the comics. Right. Yes, definitely in the comics. Yeah, and I believe currently in the comics still is uh, the, the question. Yeah, that's my understanding. Yes. Next up. Jellystone art assembles uh, the Hanna-Barbera universe. So uh, HBO Max's artwork for its Jellystone series assembles the many, many characters of the animated Hanna-Barbera universe featured on the show. Excuse me. Uh, Developed by C.H. Greenblatt, uh, Chowder Harvey Beaks, Chowder and Harvey Beaks, rather, Jellystone, and there's there's an exclamation point there, that's why I'm saying it like that, uh, reimagines cartoon icons like Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, Huckleberry Hound, and Jabberjaw as citizens of the titular, titular town, a place where, per its synopsis, they live, work, and play, and, as is often the case, destroy the town in some silly war together. Uh, the series' art uh, offers a better look on just how massive the show's animators ensemble actually is, with Yogi, Boo Boo, Cindy Bear uh, featured front and center. So, again, if you um, are watching the video, you can see the artwork therein. And uh, apparently the series will start streaming on HBO Max starting as of this recording. Uh, well, July 29th, which today is the 22nd. So, next week. Um, I don't know how to feel about that art style, but okay, sure, it's a thing. Uh, next up. Next up, Rachel Weiss reveals which Black Widow co-star, quote unquote, upstaged her. So uh, Rachel Weiss, who played Melina Vostokov in Marvel Studios' Black Widow, pointed out that she felt upstaged by one group of her co-stars during the film's production. Spoiler alert, because they don't show up in the trailers. Spoiler alert. She's referring to the pigs, specifically the one that resembles, specifically the ones that uh, she's working with and the one that apparently resembles um, Red Guardian. Indeed. Some would say she went hog wild with that, but not really. Next up. Uh, how Black Widow, speaking of, like I said, there's spoilers, uh, kind of sort of bound for, for any of these and all of these, um, or for most of these, uh, how Black Widow kept as Taskmaster's identity a secret during filming. Uh, actress Olga Kurylenko explains how Black Widow managed to keep Taskmaster's identity a secret while making the movie. Uh, the MCU's Phase 4 officially kicked off uh, earlier this year, but it reached a major milestone last weekend with the release of Black Widow. Um, its first movie. Uh, scroll, 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 scroll. Uh, though the Red Room's re- uh, leader, General Drakoff, is Black Widow's real over, um, overarching villain, the main antagonist for the threat is, is Taskmaster. And uh, it basically says here that everybody had to sign an NDA, and everybody knew, of course. Uh, the, we all know the Marvel, Marvel snipers are always out there. Um, mm-hmm. 
so that it was not to be spoken about. We were shooting outside and paparazzi was all over the place. I mean, I had to, I have to dress and walk away from my tent to set. Uh, they made this umbrella that had fabric hanging from it. Uh, I was underneath it and I had to look through a little hole to see where I was going. So they were really on it. They were like, no one will see who she is. And they managed to pull it off. I mean, until now, no one knew. Um, so, and she kind of just goes on from there. So, yeah, there you go. They, they, they had some tricks up their sleeve to keeping uh, the, uh, the identity of uh, Taskmaster secret. Next up. Next up. Uh, Black Widow actress Olga Kurylenko, who played the Taskmaster, um, had a little bit to say about her MCU future because she says in, uh, in, in an interview to comicbook.com, says that there's so many directions she could still go. And I won't go further into it, but that's the gist of it. Yeah, and I mean, it's true, basically. Like, they they could do some things with that character. Uh, I I assume, as we may or may not have talked about, one possible um, comic book reasoning that they could go with. uh, We'll see if that actually ever happens. Uh, next up, though, Black Widow writer didn't know what the post-credit scene was setting up. Actually, uh, Eric Pearson, who wrote the screenplay for Black Widow, uh, based off of a story by WandaVision showrunner Jacques, uh, Jacques Schaefer and Ned Benson, revealed that he had no idea what the post-credit scene that he wrote was actually intended for. Um, I n- won't go into what the post-credit scene was but by now if you've seen it or may have been spoiled on it you kind of know what it is setting up a character's uh a certain character um next outing would be but that's kind of a spoiler but still you know not not enough to be like oh you know to give the whole thing away um in fact let me just scroll away from this article from, from that part of the article real quick so basically all Pearson was told that the scene had to involve a couple of people and uh, uh, something that was going to happen between them with, uh, an, with uh, another MCU character uh, and that's where that person that, and that's where this person's probably going to be next scene in, in an upcoming uh, MCU thing there you go, next hmm okay uh what are we up to? Uh, claiming to be the first mutant, is that mm-hmm. me? That's you. Black Widow actor claims to be the first mutant in the MCU. We beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> it's, I believe, much more of an Easter egg than anything, but it's still cool to think that this could be, in fact, the first mutant uh, appearing in plain sight. So I'll put this in here because we never actually did talk about this part as being a thing, but we also recognize that because of another character that is featured in this, um, features in the movie, not surprising that someone else that's related to them would show up. Right. So Olivier Richter's portrayed Ursa, one of the Russian prisoners locked up with David Harbour's Red Guardian. This is the character, spoiler alert, who gets his wrist broken mm-hmm. during an arm wrestling match. Richter's has now confirmed he was indeed portraying Ursa Major, 
who is in the comics a mutant member of the Winter Guard, Russia's version of the Avengers, for longtime fans pre-fall uh, of the Soviet Union. He was, in fact, the Soviet super soldier. So, um, you know, this character has a long history in the Marvel Universe. Um, according to Richter's claim, this means mutants are now part of the MCU, all thanks to Black Widow. Uh, yeah, we're we're inclined to holy cow, that dude is gigantic. If you scroll through this uh, article, yeah, the dude uh, ripped and big oh, and tall. Cow. Yeah. So yeah, he he goes on Instagram by the Dutch giant, and I'm not sure who he's standing next to, but holy cow, that dude is gigantic. I think this was one of the Damn other dudes in that son. scene. Yeah, this was the other dude in that scene that went before him, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like I remember that dude's faces uh, uh, that uh, Gardner's kind of, you know, whatever uh, whatever that scene was portraying. We won't, like I said, won't get it. it. It's a minor scene, but still. You know. I mean, it's, it's it's like one of those characters with, like, you know, Yao Ming standing next to somebody. Right. <laughs> My you <giant>. know? <laughs> you know, it used to be Shaq, and then it was Yao Ming, mm-hmm. you know, making people look teeny tiny. Holy right. cow. Right. So if you're watching the video you uh version of this program, you know what we're talking you see what we're talking about. Uh and oh yeah, then apparently there's uh apparently this uh Instagram post uh from this dude has um has um put in uh a page from recent from the recent um Avengers uh arc with them. Or something from from the recent volume, I should say, because I'm, I'm scrolling through the uh, the post. Well, and a couple other couple other things also, um, as you can see from the. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. But regardless, yeah, there you go. That's that. Um, Marvel's uh, Blade reboot, starring Mahershala Ali, lands a director. Um, good so, news! It's yeah. good news. Uh, Marvel's upcoming Blade reshoot is still happening according to this article, which we already knew. The eagerly awaited uh, reworking of the popular half-vampire, half-human tale has scored a director in filmmaker Bassam Tariq. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard any developments on the movie starring uh, everyone's favorite Day Walker, but behind the scenes tells a different story. According to Deadline, Marvel's Kevin Feige and star Mahershala Ali met with, quote-unquote, dozens of candidates dozens of candidates going all the way back to the fall originally with the intent of finding a, a writer director to tackle the project uh we already know that uh, uh stacy osay uh Kufour is the one writing the 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 um the movie and now looks at um basam Tariq is directing so cool more steps forward next next up Winston Duke has confirmed he will return in his role as M'Baku in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a sequel that the actor says is really special. Um, We kind of expected this, you know, because it's bringing back many of its other original stars, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to the sequel. So, um, you know, this, this just serves as confirmation, really. Yes. Uh, next up, uh, yeah, he says a little bit more about that, but, um, it was like, oh, which, uh, other, other, um, returning cast members have made similar, uh, sentiments about, you know, just 
the script and how emotional it would be for obvious reasons. Uh, but next up, uh, speaking of Black Panther, the Black Panther sequel casts uh, Michaela Cole, which I'm kind of excited about because I love her. Um, so apparently, she's Michaela, from the HBO show, right? She's from correct. Uh, well. Yeah, so some people... We'll, we'll get into that in a second. So, Michaela Cole has joined the ensemble cast of Black Hair Panther, the Wakanda Forever, the sequel to, to Black Panther. Uh, character details are locked up, per usual. Uh, insiders say that Cole has joined director Ryan Coogler at uh, Atlantis Pinewood Studios, where production has began begun last month. Uh, Marvel Studios declined to comment on the matter. So, yes, if you, you may or may not be familiar with Michaela Cole, some folks may know her from I May Destroy You, which was her HBO Max series. Some people may know her from uh, the episodes of Black Mirror or more specifically, some people who know her from Chewing Gum, which is her stuff, which is her series, and also the, uh, the film uh, Been So Long. Um, apparently she was in Last Jedi, and I vaguely remember that being the case. <clears throat> So, but yeah, and if you haven't seen I May Destroy You, it's it's a it's it's a it's a pretty good show. It's a really good show, but it's might be kind of disturbing for some for for content reasons, but it, it's really good. Been so long is actually alright, also, but um, yeah. Uh, chewing gum, exactly, because like I said, I know a lot of people know her from Chewing Gum and have enjoyed that show. I haven't haven't watched it yet, so yeah. But like I said, I'm excited about that because like I, I I really like her. So next up. Next up, so Tom Hiddleston confirmed Marvel's What If animated show will connect to future events in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Loki actor described the show's premise during an appearance on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, which I don't watch because Fallon sucks, stating, it's like, what if Loki wasn't adopted? What if Peggy Carter was the one who got the super soldier serum? What if the Ravagers kidnapped T'Challa instead of Peter Quill? It's what if some major event in MCU history had gone the other way, and what reality would we be living in now? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And again, we've, we've talked about in past episodes that how they're, what they're, they're kind of setting up uh, a multiversal Avengers uh, in the course of that what if, which we will see soon, uh, amongst other things. So, not surprised. Uh, Loki finale also include almost excuse me included a Miss Minutes fight scene. So spoiler alert for for Loki number six, uh, the 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 final episode of Loki number six, I guess. Uh, for something that actually wasn't in there. Uh, the Loki finale almost included a Miss Minutes fight scene. Uh, director Kate Heron has revealed it was fun that you got a sense of uh, there's something a bit more sinister going on with her. Heron told Marvel.com, we almost always had a version where Loki and Sylvie kept meeting her at the Citadel. At one point, we all had a fight scene with Miss Minutes in the Citadel. We had all kinds of stuff for her. Um, and it says, like, Miss Minutes became the devil on the shoulder and trying to and trying to tempt both Loki and Sylvie, as we did actually see. Um, I will go ahead and take this next one, since it's also related, because Loki director explains that Miss Minutes jump scare. Uh, that does actually happen in uh, the course of that episode. Uh, let's see. It basically says here that in an in an interview with Esquire, which is probably that last where that last bit uh, also came from, 
Heron talked about uh, filming the introduction to Majors' uh, character as well as the Miss Minutes jump scare. The director, who will not be returning for season two, was asked uh, what went the decision to make her memeable, creepy... Thank you. You working. Sorry? Uh, memeable, creepy apparition. Uh, I, t- I love horror in my executive... Uh, well, I love horror in my executive. Kevin Wright knew that. Me and him were talking about episode six, and I remember that he was like, oh, maybe you could do something creepy f- of uh, Miss Menace. And I immediately was like, we have to do a jump scare. Because I haven't uh, got to do a good jump scare in anything yet, and I really wanted to. Because a lot of my friends are horror directors. I was like, I can't let them down. So I was really excited to have a shot at doing a jump scare. Um, and Miss Minutes, and Miss Minutes, it was really fun testing it uh, because we we'd kind of brought a different people into the edit um, and goes on from there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did that actually work for you? The jump scare? The supposed jump yeah, scare? Yeah, I didn't really get a jump out of it, but I definitely understood it. Right. Yeah, it's kind of same. So I was like, yeah, all right. So just, yeah. Well, because it was definitely a jump okay, scare for the know. characters. Right. But maybe, maybe, may or may not be for the audience, but it definitely was for the characters. Um, so, anyway, next up. Alrighty, so Loki director Kate Heron told Entertainment Weekly that in addition to casting Jonathan Majors as the elusive Time Variance Authority founder, um, spoiler alert for Loki, he who remains, they also let him play the Timekeeper Automaton similar to the wizard's iconic projection self. The wizard I'm referring to is... Uh, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. So it is a performance that doubles as an homage to the Wizard of Oz movie. And not a big surprise if you are familiar with both of those things. I mean, if you're familiar with Wizard of Oz, because, you know, because they even kind of, I feel like they even alluded to it within the, the, uh, the, the episode proper, in a way. But, hey, uh, Marvel VP confirms Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel will premiere before the end of 2021. Uh, Victoria Alonso confirmed that Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel will premiere on Disney Plus before the end of 2021. Uh, Marvel Studios kicked off Phase 4. We already know this with WandaVision. Um, Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Loki's wrapped up. What if is coming uh, soon? Um... And, of course, we already know when they were originally announced. But uh, it appears that both will arrive on schedule, according to Variety. Um, and Victoria Alonso, as I said, confirmed such thing. We just, just still don't have a firm date on it. Um, there's, like, five months left in this year. So you <laughs> get, better get a, get a move on that, I guess. Um, so there you go. Next. Alrighty. Uh, so this is a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for the Bad Batch uh, episode that premiered last week. Um, because uh, I know Roddy Cat's not caught up at all. Correct. So I'm not going to say too much, but there is a stronger <laughs> connection to uh, characters in Rebels. Uh, coming out of this episode of The Bad Batch. And it's no surprise because of the time that the time and the places that The Bad Batch is set in that um, 
events that would bleed out of this particular series, which is essentially set between Clone Wars and Rebels, would bleed into Rebels. It's just, you know, pretty much a matter of fact. Right. So it's awesome. not a big surprise. But it does have a direct link to a specific character in Rebels. That the permalink... The, one of uh, the leads, yeah. Right. At, that the permalink already um, spoils. Oh, well, I, I, I didn't open it. I just, you know, I was going off the dome. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I was going off the dome to try to spare Roddy Cat the spoiler. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I had to pull this thing, so I had to read it at some point. <laughs> um... I, I just appreciate, that. folks, that I do my best to spare you and Roddicat the spoilers the best I can. Yeah, but when when Roddicat does the news, he does it to himself. So, <laughs> uh, Ian McShane to return as Winston in John Wick Chapter 4. Not a big surprise. Next up. The John Wick spinoff, The Continental, is now a limited series with a bigger budget. <laughs> And it's hired director Albert Hughes and reworked the premise into a three-night limited event series. The Hollywood Reporter says that it's going to be – the Continental show is going to be three 90-minute specials with a budget that now rivals some movies. Sources say filmmakers now have a $20 million million budget to use for the limited event. Okay. A.K.A. We should probably do a little bit of something close to what Marvel is doing with their Disney Plus shows. Yeah, you know, see how the ripple effect works. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Snake Eyes' final trailer brings Cobra out of hiding in theaters this weekend. So, yeah, they've been really pushing these these trailers. Um, They're trying to get but, people into theaters, despite the fact that, you know, COVID variants are running rampant around the country. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Uh, I watched this final trailer. There's, I mean, a lot of it is still this stuff that we've seen in other trailers before, which I guess maybe some, right, some numbers or diff- mixed differently in. Um, still on the fence on this this movie in itself. Definitely yeah. not going to the movie theaters to watch it. Yeah, I'm torn. And and in 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 very brief, wide, you know, very brief strokes. Um, you know, I've, I've said that I have very mixed feelings about how they're going to portray Snake Eyes' uh, uh, origin. You know, I remember as a kid, I, I, I still have my comics um, that I bought. Um, and I rebought them, believe it or not. I bought them as second prints and then I bought them as first prints and got Larry Hama to sign them. You know, nice. because it's awesome that Larry Hama wrote them. But I remember reading... And being disappointed that Snake Eyes was a white guy. But I understood the story. I understood the origin. It made perfect sense. Now that they have changed Snake Eyes to being at least half Asian, you know, being a Hapa, half Asian Pacific American, because that is, in fact, what Henry Golding is. He's actually British, so he's not even Hapa. He's Hapa. <laughs> half Asian British. British. He's Hob. But, um... Um... Uh... But, uh, you know, it appears to me from the trailer, obviously trailers are deceiving. They're just meant to sell people into coming in to watch the movie. It appears that they have done more to change his origin in addition to making him half Asian. Um, And I'm not so sure I'm happy about that because there are some characters that play big roles in his origin and some events that play big roles in his origin 
you know, namely being a veteran, obviously they can't be veterans of Vietnam anymore, right? And, you know, but, but you know, we see how they do that with the Punisher. They just, you know, rubber band the timeline up to a more current war. And, um, you know, and it seems that uh, the role that the, 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 the somewhat important role that Stalker plays seems to be absent in, mm. in, in this version um, you know, that we, yeah, right. That we know of, obviously, you know, maybe they bring him up in, in, in the movie. We just don't see it in the trailer, but it's, a, it's as far as I can tell, it's, you know, it, it, the, the, the snake eyes origin made perfect sense and could have been easily adapted, uh, you know, uh, into modern times, but you know, Hollywood's gonna Hollywood. Pretty much. So that's that. You know that that that's just a, a brief primer on my mixed feelings about uh, uh, the Snake Eyes movie. I like that Larry Hama has given his blessing to the casting of Henry Golding. You know, I'm pretty sure I I didn't have the guts to ask him why he didn't make Snake Eyes Asian in the first place. You know, when when I spoke to him, I've spoken to him a couple times uh, at cons. I think he. Uh, I don't. I. I. I, I uh, I don't know if he's ever a- actually answered that question or been asked that question before uh, on the record. So, you know, but it's nice that, you know, he's, you know, a- as a Japanese American, he's, he's, he's cool with the, the, with the casting of an Asian actor into uh, the role of snake eyes. I just hope that they do the character justice. Yes. And not justice league. Oh no! Roddy Cat's on a roll tonight. Moving right along. Hey, guess what, folks? Uh, not un- slightly unsurprisingly, a new GI Joe animated series is coming in 2022. Uh, off the fact that the the Stink Eyes movie is uh, on the way. Uh, see, word of the new animated series came from his tank, apparently. Uh, so I guess this is still a report slash rumor because this doesn't sound like an official site um but it says here in this article a reliable source when it comes to anything jaja related which pretty much says report <laughs> just you know screams report uh uh rumor site um who was at licensing con brazil uh which featured a presentation by marcelo masati head of licensing for hasbro brazil um like I said, grain of salt, that's from folks. But I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened. Next up. Next up, uh, a new trailer for the final installment in the Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy titled Kingdom has been revealed ahead of its release this month. Oh, so that's coming out soon. That's cool. Yes, I believe actually oh, on the 29th. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that because I'm really yeah t- yeah, yeah uh, Netflix. I was about to you caught up? Yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, oh, okay. I watched that. Um, I watched the last one is almost now, yeah, not shortly after it came out. Gotcha, gotcha. So and, Netflix and, has released. Ahead, Netflix sorry. has released the trailer for Transformers: War for Cybertron Kingdom. This is set to conclude the trilogy of miniseries which kicked off last summer when Siege debuted. Um which was followed by Earthrise. Now, Kingdom is set to bring the latest battle between the Autobots and Decepticons to an action-packed conclusion, and this time the Maximals and Predacons are along for the ride. Beast Wars is making a comeback 
on the small screen this summer. Have you watched this trailer? Because if you and if you I remember, no. Oh, so I so I saw the trailer before I even saw this article. Um, okay. Uh, and I'm still like, because even coming out of Earthrise, I'm sitting like, how? Because they, because you know, obviously they teased the fact that this was happening. So right. I'm saying like, how are they even doing this? I and mean, we know there is some sort of time, time shenanigans or something going on because we still don't know how. Well, there are elements of it that we still don't know how they're doing. They're just kind of messing around with some stuff. Um, but it was intriguing enough to be like, all right, I want to see where this goes. And yeah, you should watch this trailer and let me know what you think. Because <laughs> the way, because the way they seem to, the show. hopefully it's not too late. Yeah, because the way they seem to set this up is like, okay, um, sure. But we'll see. Like I said, um, yeah, the um, move right along just to kind of not believe it. But uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf uh, reveals trailer, voice cast, and a hunky young Vesemir. So Netflix released a new teaser trailer for the upcoming Witcher anime film Nightmare of the Wolf, along with confirmation of the main voice cast and a bunch of character images. Uh, the teaser begins with a voiceover from a young Vesemir who recounts a skewed tale of a Witcher's role on the continent. We then see Vesemir hunting monsters in his prime, revealing his kind, uh, kind's true purpose. Uh, in addition to the tra- teaser, Netflix confirmed that Vesemir will be voiced by Theo James. Uh, Tetra will be voiced by Laura Pulver. Deglin will be voiced by Graham McTavish. And Lady Zerp, uh, Zerbst uh, will be voiced by Mary McDonald. Uh, stills of all four characters are in this article below, as, as well as the teaser. So if you're a Witcher fan and know anything about those characters, or at least Vesemir, probably most more specifically, I guess that's something for you if you if you're interested. Uh, next up. All right, next up, um, Star Trek Discovery season four will define Michael Burnham as a captain. Burnham took the captain's chair of the USS Discovery in the third season finale. And the upcoming fourth season of the Paramount Plus show will define what it means for her to be a commanding officer. Okay. Yeah. Which is even coming into the discovery in the first season, like, well, we we assumed it was assumed that she was going to be captain already, and that uh, didn't end up being the case. In fact, far from it, or at least, but it started going coming back to the other way in subsequent seasons. So. And finally got her to where she's at. So, like I need to catch up on Discovery. That's pretty cool. Um, Spider-Man's. I think this is the the last. Yes, this is the last one in cinematic uh, cinematic news. But um, J.K. Simmons's J. Jonah Jameson screens test uh, surfaces online. So um, uh, apparently, this comes from some Twitter account. Uh, and this is just pretty much captioned uh, Spider-Man 2002 J.K. Simmons' uh, screen test for J. Jonah Jameson and there's a link to the, the, the tweet the, the tweet and the video of the tweet in the article so if you are so interested in that you can check it out uh, next we're going to move over in to the comic book news <laughs> Uh, a little bit of anime news here. Chainsaw Man creator to release new story on Shonen Jump Plus. Uh, 
uh, Chainsaw Man creator Tatsuki Fujimoto's latest one-shot manga will premiere on the online Shonen Jump Plus service and app on July 19th, which means it's already out there. Uh, according to a weekly Shonen Jump news, Fujimoto's latest work is a standalone story called Look Back. Uh, the one-shot manga... Uh, will be 140 pages long and described as a large feature film. This will be the 10th one-shot manga that Fujimoto, who's best known for the creator of the uh, Dark and Violent Chainsaw Man manga series, uh, who is best known for the creator of it. And I believe uh, Chainsaw Man is getting a uh, an anime um, by Studio MAPPA, yes, who is who did Attack on Titan and Jujutsu Kaisen. So if you like either one of those, or both of those, you might be interested in that because of the, the studio behind it and possibly the story. Next up. Next up, Christopher Judge, the voice actor of God of War's Kratos, will be lending his voice to King T'Challa, Black Panther, and Marvel's Avengers the video game when the War for Wakanda expansion launches later this year. So, cool. Uh, good to see Teal getting some work. Some more work. <laughs> Uh, for those who know him from Star Trek, um, Stargate <laughs> SG-1. Uh, Marvel fans can build their very own Lego Captain America shield. And I know Agent 70 is like... Well, actually, I don't know that actual sure. I'm sure he's looking at this like, I would never do this. <laughs> Pretty much. Because <laughs> this seems very involved. Um, so Brickmaker, Brick, Bricker Builds announced a brand new model of Captain America shield made, made entirely of Lego bricks. The shield weighs um, 110 ounces and measures 24, I guess, centimeters. Uh, or I'm not sure what, you know what, in whatever. Uh, two, 608 millimeters in diameter, retaining accuracy to its counterpart in the MCU. Uh, the build features the Avengers signature red, white, and blue coloring colors uh, sporting the star in the middle and can be either worn or displayed apparently as as um, as this the picture um in the article notes you know what godspeed for the, to the people who have that kind of time on their hands <laughs> more more power to you if you want to build the lego shield just that looks like a nightmare if you if you try to step on it <laughs> yeah apparently it is made out of Nearly three thousand Lego bricks, according to the article. Yeah, two thousand nine. I, I I scrolled through it real quick. It was like two thousand nine hundred and four Lego bricks, to be precise. Mm. So yeah, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to do that. Um, I'm actually disappointed in myself for not buying the Hasbro Marvel Legends comic book Captain America shield. I still have. I obviously still have the movie shield, mm-hmm. but the comic book shield is more is rendered in a red, white, and blue as opposed to this being kind of like a red metallic finish, Mm. which is the substitute for the white and blue. Gotcha. You know, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the way it's kind of like a silver, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the way it's uh, depicted on the shield, which is fine. It's still great, but I kind of regret not going, not buying the, uh, the comic book version. Hopefully they reissue it because I think in the reseller's hands, it's on the more expensive side now. Mm-hmm. But next up, Marvel Legends, and we talked about this. Well, yeah, I was about to say, is... yeah, I was about to say, this is my story. Yeah, I'm trying to take my story. All right, fine. It's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> well, and I know you were excited about this also. So, yeah, Marvel Legends Haslab Galactus official images and info from Hasbro. So yeah, so the article that Roddy Cat is scrolling through is going to show some of the pictures 
uh, because we talked about it last week, of the HasLab Galactus. And I don't know if you have um, the latest news, but they did drop some news. I want to say it was today at some point. I saw it online Uh, where they're teasing teasing, uh, some of the stretch goals. In a in a in a in a in a po- in an image, you know, similar to these, that has silhouettes of two characters who are essentially heralds of Galactus, and it's pretty obvious who they are. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert: it's probably a reissue of the Marvel Legends Silver Surfer. That was a Walgreens exclusive. That was hard for a lot of people to find, but I got one. And uh, Frankie Ray. The one of the one of the uh, characters who has taken on the name of Nova. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! So, so far, those two appear to be at least one, uh, or at least one set of stretch goals for right. the Galactus. So they have a goal of fourteen thousand backers. They are at eight thousand something right now. I still have not backed this. I'm on the fence, but I'm leaning towards getting it. So unlike the Sentinel, he's probably going to get it. Listen, that thing's gigantic. It's like three, you know, it's, it's like three feet in chain. You know, it's it's not quite three feet. So, you know, that thing's going to be, you know, up there on the top shelf. It's not right. going to fit on the middle shelves, folks. I feel like somewhere either um, off, off or off mic or even on you. I feel like you said that if there was a Galactus figure, you would. This is the one I would jump it. in on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's why I'm definitely I, I I'm I'm considering this. It's you know the price tag and trying to legitimize a, a, an action figure that big just sitting on your shelf, mm-hmm. you know, and having to take it apart, probably having to take some of it apart to put into storage. You know, th- right. that's you know you kind of you kind of wince every time you think about having to do that. But at the same time, it's Galactus. It's gigantic. It's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun to look at. I would prefer. I would like a Lifebringer version, but that's also a reskin, and they would not do that because right. that's probably another couple hundred dollars. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, I scrolled. At, if uh, you're watching the video version, you've seen me scroll through the pictures that that this article hand out, had on hand. Um, that is quite detailed, and also had it up against a, a regular um, uh, Marvel Legends figure. Uh, for for scale, yeah, and the scale is incredible. It's mm-hmm. an, it's 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 insane how much bigger this this figure is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, moving right along though. Speaking of Marvel Legends, uh, your favorite Wolverine meme is now a Mondo collectible. Actually, um, I I saw this and I was like, okay, this is kind of funny. Uh, Mondo has memorialized the internet's beloved Wolverine crush meme as an exclusive collectible figure. Um, the one six scale limited edition features Wolverine lounging in a bed and staring wistfully at a photo of Cyclops and Jean, of course, from X-Men, the animated series, uh, and even go, go through and put the uh, episode number, uh, the episode name and, and, and number in this article, um, quote unquote, even self-healing rage heroes need a moment to themselves said a press release from Mondo. The Wolverine figure comes out comes with four swappable facial expressions, uh, retracted and extended claws, lighting claw energy effect, a swappable glossy photo of Cyclops and Jean, and a turkey leg. <laughs> uh, 
Um, the figure retails for $200 and will avail- be available for pre-order. Or, excuse me. Yes, it will be pr- available for pre-order technically uh, today as of this time in the recording, July 23rd. Um the first day of 2021's Comic-Con at home. And yes, folks, look forward to more news coming out of that uh, next week. So that's kind of cool. And you can see, if you're watching the video, you can see pictures of uh, of the box. Um, and the accoutre- uh, some of the accoutrement. Next up. Next up... Oh, I scrolled too far. Okay. Star Wars' newest bounty hunter is working for Solo's Kira. So this is uh, part of the Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters crossover event. And um, the newest bounty hunter involved, you know, uh, spoiler alert for Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 14 um shows that uh one of the newest bounty hunters um oh what is this character's name i think i just saw it we might have actually death mentioned stick. this character hmm? death death stick i think is the character's name and that is one of the new bounty hunters uh introduced death stick during this event mhm to which yeah so there is there's um that miniseries is still ongoing uh, at this point and there was uh, a book or two I think Afra and uh, War of the Bounty Hunters 2 or 3 came out this week uh, but neither one of us had a chance to read it um, read any of those actually so uh, the, Fer- the Hellfire Gala Aftermath hits home in Marauder 22 we talked about that earlier so we don't necessarily have to go about it right now moving right along okay Next up, uh, Marvel reveals its fifth local new Captain America is an active duty military officer. So, yeah, that is uh, something that's due to come out. Uh, It's still a while away. Um, We've only just had one issue of this series so far. And I believe he is an active uh, Air Force officer. And it's uh, based upon a real-life person that Christopher Cantwell, the writer, met in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently this uh, this person is going to have their John John uh, John Walker moment, but probably is not going to be end up the same way. That's tragic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, there is that, and we'll we'll probably be talking about that when that whenever that issue comes about i suspect uh eternals forever number one pits ikari against his fellow immortals um in advance of marvel studios upcoming eternals film a special new one shot from marvel comics uh, called eternals forever will be published to better acquaint or reacquaint reacquaint readers with these powerful immortals hey guess what folks there's an ongoing series right now that you can also do that called the eternals um set at a turning point in eternals history um, Eternals Forever will serve as a modern entry point into the world of the Eternals reads Marvel's description of the special uh, this one shot will reintroduce fans and newcomers to heroes such as uh, Icarus um, and Sprite along with the Deviants who will stop at nothing but all out war 
After the deviants uh, capture and brainwash Icarus and is into assassinating Ajax, it's up to Gilgamesh, which is kind of funny because I just got caught up on Eternals and Gilgamesh shows up. Uh, It's up to Gilgamesh and Sprite to stop him. Uh, Will the Eternals be able to save their fallen brother or will Icarus remain uh, a sinister agent of the deviants? Uh, And I believe this is going to come out... Oh, wait, it says here, Eternals Forever comes as the aforementioned Eternals ongoing series by Karen Gillian. And he said, Reback goes on hiatus after July 28th, Eternals number six. Um, Marvel has no plans for issues of that series in August or September. And September and its plans beyond that have not been disclosed. So, Eternals Forever goes on sale October 13th. Um, just in time for Eternals, the the movie comes out three weeks later. There you go. Next, Marvel celebrates Latinx heroes of its past, present, and future in Comunidades special with Spider Man, Ghost Rider, America Chavez, the White Tiger, and more. Uh, this is one of those Marvel Voices books, mm-hmm. so we are familiar with those anthology books. This is set to come out uh, on October 20th. So it's still a little while away. Hmm. As I peruse the link that um, uh, 87U just passed to me, I'm not sure if that's interesting or not, but interesting. It's the Russo <laughs> brothers. Yeah. So it's interesting for that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, moving right along. Uh, pink. Think. Uh, Luke Cage returns to save Harlem in new Marvel series City of Fire because he didn't start the fire. It was always burning. You, you know the song. If you don't know the song, I don't know. Since um, the world's been turning. Exactly. Actually, and then, yeah, I think I saw that. Um, this um, I might actually have that link actually that you just put in there, but I didn't put it in. Um, it. But thank you. Uh, the steely skinned superhero. Luke Cage returns as fall in a new series that puts him back on the front lines defending his home neighborhood of Harlem. Uh, in Luke Cage City of Fire, a claimed uh, comics writer, artist Hochi Anderson partners with several artists on the three-issue uh, story pitting Cage against New York City Mayor Wilson Fisk and a group of vigilantes known as the Regulators! Mount up! <laughs> obviously, that, uh, that last part was added for effect. Uh, in the new series, a shadowy rogue group known as the Regulators are terrorizing ordinary series uh, citizens in New York City. Luke Cage is called to action when a black man in his uh, community is murdered by a crooked police officer. Reads Marvel's description of Luke Cage's City of Fire number one. Um, Luke Cage quickly crosses paths with uh, Daredevil, who is determined to bring down the Regulators no matter the cost. But Mayor Fisk is equally determined to use them to tighten his grip on the city. There is unrest in the streets, and it's up to Cage to keep the city from going in flames. Uh, so it says here that uh, City of Fire will be Anderson's first long-form work for Marvel after his making his debut in the company's recent Marvel's Voices Legacy Number no. One anthology. Uh, he's best known for his Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, biography, King. And also authored books such as Scream Queen and Sand and Fury. Uh, oh, uh, superhero comics fan from early age, Anderson also wrote and drew the 1996 milestone media series Wise Son, The White Wolf. 
uh, can't express how excited I am to do uh, to be doing a project with Marvel and about the level of talent they lined up to work with me," says Anderson in the announcement. Um, let's see, Farad Karami, t- uh, 2019 top co- top cow talent hunt run- run- uh, runner up, uh, is drawing Luke Cage number one. Ray Anthony Height illustrating number two, and Sean Damian Hill taking on the last issue. Uh, Tyron Clark has drawn the cover for the ish- first issue. And again, that goes on sale in October, which I guess I'll take this time to say that uh, I haven't seen Marvel solicits yet, but I know if they're not out as of this recording, they are coming. But DC's uh, solicitations for October has dropped. Right. So some news will be coming out of that. Next up. Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red, China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio. You put it in my head. I had to look up the lyrics because I remember them pretty well, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you, Genius, for, like, you know, correcting all of our screw-ups in terms of figuring out lyrics from back in the day when we didn't have those, that kind, those kinds of uh, uh, resources. True. All right, Marvel and DC are both setting up huge vampire wars. Is it a is it the Philadelphia effect? I don't know. A new announcement from DC has confirmed that the Justice League will be fighting vampires around the same time as the Avengers in their own universe. What a coinky dink! Uh, DC versus Vampires is a new maxi series coming this fall, which will see the Justice League battling the classic blood sucking creatures of the night, just in time for Halloween. However. It happens to coincide with all the setup Marvel Comics' Avengers and X-Men have had in the last year, teasing a massive war with Dracula and his vampire nation that will come to fruition around the same time. As a result, Marvel and DC will seemingly be going head-to-head with respective vampire narratives right around Halloween, and it's going to be interesting to see how each publisher respectively tackles their narratives. Okay. Also, not surprising because if we have said many and plenty of times on this show that there's nothing new at the time and they crib on each other's uh, notebooks early and often. Yep. So, the the fact that this stuff is coming out even at the same time, not that, I mean, you know, there's always been, like, usually you see one, you see the other do something similar <laughs> right after that or right around the same time. So, you know. Yep. Uh, the man who retired Batman Peacekeeper, the man oh the man who retired Batman Peacekeeper explodes in Secret Files special. So the dark origin of Batman's future state adversary Peacekeeper Zero One appears to be revealed in the just announced Batman Secret Files uh, Peacekeeper Zero One one shot. Uh, revealed as a part of the aforementioned October solicits, Batman Secret Files Peacekeeper Zero One will fill in the gaps from. Excuse me. From the Arkham Asylum guard readers, uh, readers met in March's Infinite Frontier Zero to become the sinister superhero hunter named Peacekeeper One, who rules Gotham City in the near future storyline, Future State. Uh, picking up from the events of Future Fear State uh, Alpha, uh, follows Sean Mahoney, aka Peacekeeper Number One, which I don't remember seeing if that's I still don't really remember when this has come I mean when they did this part like when did they um, reveal this dude's thing uh, just recently yeah I, I'm just like, but I can't remember when and where oh it was, it was in the pages of Batman it was in, within the last two months okay that explains that because I'm not reading Batman so okay no but I definitely have mentioned it on the show right uh, I guess well wait even his name 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't remember then. Uh, oh no, actually, no, I didn't want to spoil the name, but gotcha. I think, I think ultimately what ended up happening is that I mentioned that it's a character that did pop up early on in this uh, this Tinian run, mm. and they brought him back, and he's revealed to be the peacekeeper, peacekeeper uh, uh, 01. Right. Okay. So this, I think, part of this next part, I feel like I remember, or it might have shown up in a future state book. Uh, in the wake of his exposure to highly potent fear toxin at the hands of Scarecrow, reads DC's description. So I do remember, I think that was the Harley Quinn future state thing to where Harley Quinn uh, and Scarecrow were kind of kind of sort of working together. But this was in future state, so it was kind of would be after the fact um, at a certain point. Regardless, um, yeah, so I guess we'll see the origin story uh, well, after the fact that this, this this thing's kind of been wrapped up, yeah, uh, because future state is future state. You know that's that's how they wanted to do it. Fine, right? You know? And and current Marvel and current DC series are kind of still in the before that, right? Or certain ones anyway, right? Uh, Alrighty, next, next up, up uh, Michael Keaton's Batman is back in a Batman eighty nine preview. Um, August 10th debuts a six-issue six issue series written by Batman and Batman Returns screenwriter Sam Hamm and illustrated by artist Joe Quinones. As the title Batman 89 implies, it's set in the universe of the seminal superhero films directed by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton. Not only that, the new comic book series will pull on a number of threads left dangling by the prolific director. Okay. <laughs> suppose that's the case where's bob that's all that's all i need to know where's bob in this situation well he's I, dead he gets killed by the yeah, joker i know i know i don't know well i mean they could have did it like in between the movie or something but i know they didn't i'm actually kind of looking forward to, to see how this how they play how they play this out because if i'm not understanding they're also putting or maybe not i thought i saw something yeah um, the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman is also going to either show in this or something, or they're doing no. Something it's right. No, own, that's right. Superman uh, seventy eight. Yes, that's right. He's going to have his own series. exactly series. Yes, I, I think these that. are web first series. I probably so. I believe that is. The yeah, case. I, I already closed the article because um, uh, uh, I, I opened it up to the last one. But um, but yeah, that's that's what I uh, I read is that they're going to be separate digital first series. Right, and it was just like the the Wonder Woman seventy seven series. So that's not or and the other uh, like Batman sixty six and stuff like that. So I believe they were all uh, digital first ones. Uh, Booster Gold and Brutal Beetle, welcome back, Kevin McGuire. So that is, I guess, this is uh, for this week's. Uh, no, that's not for this week's because actually that did come out. So blue and uh, blue and gold came out this week, which is the Booster Gold and uh, Blue Beetle book. We neither one of us read it, uh, but uh, per the October solicit, uh, artist Kevin McGuire is is going to come back for. Or come in at Blue and Gold number four, and writer Dan Jurgens coming in to provide some guest art uh, alongside series artist Ryan Souk. Um, looks like it's all hands on deck for the series, which follows the superhero duo as they try to make an honest living with each other with their own superhero business. Um, and it kind of goes into the, the, the solicit's description of, uh, of the issue number four. But uh, I guess the part of the takeaway here is that um, let's just say, well, 
According to this article, a member of the Suicide Squad from the or a, a movie, a, a member of the Suicide Squad from the upcoming movie is going to be an adversary of uh, this team. Um, so there you have it. If you want to know who that is, you can check out the article. Last but not least. Last but not least, if you're a fan of the Dungeons and Dragons 1980s Saturday morning cartoon that debuted on CBS back in 83 and ran until 85, then uh, here's some news for you. The newest Dungeons and Dragons adventure will contain one or more characters from the original animated series. The wild beyond the Witchlight, an upcoming D&D adventure set mostly in the Feywild, will feature multiple characters that originally appeared in the cartoon. Um, so let's see here. All right. Um, the wild beyond the witch light will be released on September 21st, 2021. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So this is, um, this is something that I guess you can get online. On the uh, D and D website, I believe so. An adventure uh, that you can, part, you know, that you can um, purchase and participate, and so you can um, participate in the campaign. Right. Um, I don't think it names who. I thought I saw something that named a couple of potential uh, characters from the show uh, that will probably show up, but I don't. It does. This article doesn't seem like it says so here. Uh, but it also mentions that uh, three char- other characters, Warduke, Strongheart, and Kellic, and if you know your D&D lore uh, in any popular sense, I guess you know at least one of those three names. Um, these were figures, these were um, characters from the D&D action figure line from the 80s, and also ended up in the cartoon. Uh all I want to know is can I recruit Diana for my party as an NPC <laughs> that's what I need to know you, you can tell me that and I, and I will look forward and I'm going to say I don't know if this article mentions it or not but it's not the first time the, the, the cartoon D&D characters have shown up in any D&D stuff because I believe there was a comic book from a comic book series from back in the day that I like Presto and one of the other characters showing up um, in uh, in a book. So I saw this article and I was like, okay, this is cool. I because I, I, I love I, I enjoyed that show a lot, you know, for what it was. Um, just check it out; it's probably on YouTube, um, more likely. Uh, but that's it for the news. Uh, how about one last ad read, please, sir? Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to Toronto, Wink has over 100 styles of wines to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of... The Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. 
That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through cspn.us. Do it today. And if you get the nerds to wink after that uh, commercial or during that commercial, you are not alone. And with that, folks, we have come to the end of another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles. Don't ask me how we ended up being three hours without doing um, a Loki recap or anything. That's kind of ridiculous, but sometimes it happens. Um, I have been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter, uh, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com is all those umbrella sites they're in, and possibly still Byte uh, under Comic Reviews, No Vowels. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, the Osiris of this ish. Uh, you can also find him at CBCron on, tw- on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, TheClickNation.com. And, of course, you can find Tim writing his face off over at Combo Book uh, Reviews, CBR.com. You can find this here podcast on your podcast. For, or wait, excuse me. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording every week, 9.30-ish uh, p.m. on uh, Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And also uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. Um, audio will come out a couple of days later usually around Sunday on the aforementioned podcast perusal places of choice um, so join us here next week folks as we do another uh, round of these here comic book reviews and views and news uh, uh, I don't think there's anything coming up like I said in the beginning of the show until a couple of weeks so here we are uh, we that? might talk briefly on Masters of the Universe. Oh, we yeah. might talk briefly on anything. Who knows? Maybe I will talk about Ted Lasso. So um, maybe. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a little outside of our purview, but yeah, it, anything comes up on the show because we've definitely gone outside of our purview <laughs> on a few different occasions. So not outside of the possibility. Um, and it looks like. Yeah, I was about to say that Transformers is going to come out possibly the day we record. So I don't know if we'll have time to. Right, it'll be the yeah. I was about to say it'll be the the episode after. Right. Uh, to to bring that up. Nevertheless, this folks has been the comic book chronicles. Peace. Peace. One Eisenhower vaccine. England's got a new queen. Marciano Liberace Santayana. Goodbye. <laughs> Peace out to Brooklyn. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr.